Welcome to the Movie Planet, Season 6, Episode 13. This week, we are talking about 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. With Joe. He's got friends in every town and village from here to the Sudan. He speaks a dozen languages, knows every local custom. He'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. And Steve. Old enough to be her, her her grandfather. I'm as human as the next man. I was the next man. And JC. Since I met you, I've nearly been incinerated, drowned, shot at, and chopped into fish bait. Welcome to the movie planet. Joining me is the Indy to my Walter Donovan, Steve. <laughs> Steve's like, oh shit, guess we're starting now? Okay. We're starting. <laughs> so well, this is what happens when fuck nuts over here is late all the time. <laughs> And of course, joining in his triumphant return after a four-year hiatus, the Sala to my Marcus, the burn victim to my fireman, and dungeon master, JC, welcome back. It's good to be back. Just be a little NPC down this, here in Florida. This is actually helping. Is it helping? It is. Actually, I'm like, this is gonna be too cold, but the towel, like, the towel works. This is this is working. I can at least feel my hand again. <laughs> So, uh, can we just say that we're finishing the trilogy and not and, and just keep it the trilogy at this point, or do we want to do Kingdom? I mean, I'm in for keeping it a trilogy because then it'll be higher on the trilogy pantheon. Yes. Yeah, I'm okay with it being a trilogy. I'm not. I'm not diehard on Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Although, as I make in my comments. Watching this as a kid and some of my beliefs as a kid versus rewatching it now as an adult yeah. makes me realize, oh, it's a little bit more connected to Kingdom of Skull than I initially thought. Yes. Uh, okay, well, this week we've nominated Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, for the action-adventure movie Pantheon, a movie so great that Steve posted on Facebook twice about it this morning, about how excited he was about doing this. Yes. I, that's, actually, it was the first thing I did. I don't know why I just... Happened to go to my phone, but I just usually go to see what did I miss from last night. Granted, I did go to bed at like one o'clock in the morning. Um, is I went on there and I went onto Facebook and I said, you know what? It's podcast day because <laughs> I've been doing a, it's been it's been a good summer being able to do all these podcasts. I'm like, I get to do one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, and I never post anything on Facebook. No, you don't, dude. I will say when I rewatched it yesterday. Yeah. I am even like, it's been too long since I watched this movie. Like, I was a little mad at myself. Like, I agree with you, Steve, in that, like, I haven't seen this movie in, like, four or five years since before the second boy was born. And rewatching it yesterday, God, it's such a good movie. It's also, even with all of, like, the changing ways people view old movies, specifically movies from the 80s, and how they love to bash our childhood and all of this stuff. Not that I take it personally at all. I do. Um, <laughs> um, I think this movie still holds up. Oh, like, I was genuinely entertained by it. I think this is one of the few franchises that holds up today. Because it's a period piece. Yeah, maybe. that. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
Okay, well, the we're doing this for the action-adventure movie pantheon. Uh, there are seven films and only seven films in that pantheon, and currently those are at number one, Die Hard with a 97.4%, Raiders of the Lost Ark with a 96.75%, Mad Max Fury Road with a 95%, John Wick with a 94.2%, John Wick Chapter 2 with a 92.4%, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum with an 89.2%, and Die Hard with a Vengeance with an 88%. Yeah, Die Hard's going to leave today. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Die Hard's not making it up. I, I have a feeling vengeance is gone. Yes. Yeah. Even if you both battle the five armies, me on this one, it would still go. What? Oh. Is that a thing now? <laughs> it's been a thing for four years. That's true. <laughs> That's true. The only thing left we'd have to do is just, well, when we nominate another movie, because let's be honest, we know Dial of Destiny and... Oh. Um, Kingdom of Crystal Skull might not get in there. Just need to knock John Wick 3 out of there, and then we're all set. You're, you're <laughs> sick. You are sick. Okay. Uh, do you want to alter any of your grades from previous shows? Steve? No, I think I'm good so far. I Like I said, I thought I had the opportunity to watch Deadpool last night. The one movie in the comic book <laughs> that I have yet to watch. Uh, but I didn't get done with the kids until about 11. And then I was like done and I was like, I don't really want to start Deadpool at like 1130 at night. So fair enough. No, I'm, I'm good. How about you? I'm good. JC. I'm as good as Cocoa Puffs. That's delicious. Okay, uh, well, now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business. This week we're talking about 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, a movie made for $48 million, which is 117.7 today. That brought in 474.2, which is 1.16 billion today. Jesus. So that's awesome. That means that, that, that makes me happy. Two out of three indie movies that we've done would have made over a billion dollars, and Temple of Doom was at 975 million. Damn right. I mean, I don't like Temple. I love Temple. It's scary. It's not scary. It's, scary. it's darker. It's scary. <laughs> it is darker. It gives it's me definitely more culty. Not what? as bad no. as the Banshee, but it's pretty close. What's your least favorite part of Temple? The the heart. The, like seriously, I still have nightmares because of the like chest <laughs> thing. Like, I'm watch that sure scene I'm... now and you'll laugh. Yeah, it, it you, it's bigger in your head it looks now. Looks terrible. No, like the psycho. No, I am psychologically ingrained. Dalima, <laughs> Dalima. Oh my God, that's terrifying. No. Uh, written by Jeffrey Bohm, Menu Magus, and George Lucas. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Music by John. Okay, now just give me the Oscar, Williams, because he hasn't won an Oscar yet for Indiana Jones. I'll be honest. I I feel like the main theme song is kind of a no brainer. But until I rewatched this, I couldn't really think of other Indiana Jonesy music. Mm -hmm. But this whole movie, I'm like, yeah, this is it gets This you. is another soundtrack that is. It must be the threes because Last Crusade sticks out, yep. Revenge of the Sith sticks out, and Return of the Jedi sticks out. Like those are three of John Williams' probably best work. I would say so. I, yeah, I, I, well, I'll even go as far as the ones because you know, in Phantom Menace. Oh. The Duel of Fates. Was Duel of Fates John oh. Williams, though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I was Raiders. Blank. Yeah. Well, Raiders is the initial theme. So, like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, Steve's right there. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, so open May 26th, 1989. So if you look at the top 10 there, uh, it had no competition. It opened with Pink Cadillac. Does anybody remember Pink Cadillac? Right. I've never seen it. <laughs> but Field of Dreams was in its third week. So, you know, that was still making some money. Roadhouse is in there. Joel loves anything with Patrick Swayze. Uh, and Major League was in its sixth week when this came out. Major League only grossed a million bucks? That was that week. That's what it earned that oh, week. Oh, I was like, Jesus. Yeah, come that... on, Major League. You're... <laughs> Hell, even Rain Man. Rain Man was in its seventh week. That's actually, for the 80s, that's actually really impressive. Yeah, yeah. But it was also, if you look at <laughs> Last Crusade, it was released in 2,327 theaters. Like, they were like, okay, let's finally do something that we didn't do with Temple of Doom. Because Temple of Doom, it was only like 1,600, I think. It's because I knew it was going to be bad. It was fantastic. It made $975 million. It's not my fault that it, most people <laughs> like scary things. Rated PG-13. And for the is first time... What? I was going to say, this is the first PG-13 movie, isn't it? For indie. Sorry. Yeah. For indie it is, yeah. Because Temple of Doom was PG. <laughs> <laughs> Patuki. <laughs> <laughs> Runtime was two hours and seven minutes. This is a this is the longest indie movie up to this point until we get to Dial of Destiny, which is two hours and thirty four minutes of your life leaving your body. <laughs> I don't know. You'll hear me say a lot today. Uh, starring Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, Sean Connery as Professor Henry Jones, Denholm Elliott as Marcus. I'm a doofus now, Brody. Allison Duty, <laughs> Duty. <laughs> as Elsa, John Reese davies as Sala, Julian Glover as Walter Donovan, River Phoenix as Young Indy, and the only person to properly actually do a good Harrison Ford, sorry, Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, Robert Edison as the Grail Knight, Michael Sheard as Adolf Hitler, and Pat Roach, the guy from Raiders who fights Indy by the plane and gets killed by the propeller, he's in this. Oh. And Ronald Lacey, the guy from Raiders whose face melts off, they're both here as Gestapo. Gestapo. Yes. You probably never even saw him. Wait a minute. No. Tote. You tell me the, yeah, the German guy? Yes, Tote was in this. Not as himself, obviously. He was a different character. What scene was he in? I don't know. They're credited in IMDB. <clears throat> I didn't even go look for him. Wow, Joe. You should know this. Wow. Sorry. According to IMDb, <laughs> this movie's got three taglines. Which one is your favorite? Uh, I like uh, the man with the hat is back, and this time he's bringing his dad. That one's my favorite. You do like parental stuff. I do. Yes. Steve, which one's yours? I'm going to go with the last one, too, out of those three. See? I agree. Steve's a smart man. See, I like the second one. Have the adventure of your life keeping up with the Joneses. Was that? Oh, yeah, because that show was from the 70s, so that would, yeah, Keeping Up with the Joneses was a thing. Yeah. That's funny. That, that would for, that definitely be my number two. For, for the time period, that's clever. Yeah. Uh, do you remember seeing this for the first time? Steve, I'll let you go first. What would you think? I do believe that this was the first indie movie that I saw, and I absolutely loved it. It scared the crap out of me with the kid, and I would have nightmares like you uh, having somebody <laughs> over your heart with a hand, I had trouble drinking out of cups. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, and I was just like, I didn't want anything bad to happen to me. Hey, I totally get that. It reminds me of Airplane. Do you guys, do you guys remember Airplane? 
I mean, I remember it. It's been forever since I've seen it. There's a scene in it where the main guy goes, yes, and I've got this awful drinking problem. And his drinking problem is that he can't get his cup to his mouth. He keeps putting it to his head or his ear. It's a drinking problem. That's funny. I know. <laughs> That's really funny. Okay, JC, how about you? What do you re what do you remember? Um, I know it was a VHS copy, but I can't. It's like Steve said. I may have watched this one first, but I do know my dad bought the three VHSs set. All right. Yes. And what I remember is sitting down and watching this with my dad, which was shocking because I'm like, did my dad buy movies? <laughs> like my dad doesn't watch movies. He does now. Like now he's like all the movie buff. But growing up, he never watched a movie. He thought movies were beneath him, but he bought these. Yes. And yeah, I watched uh, all three with him. Uh, freaked out at the second one. But I do think I think I watched this one first because I did it out of order. And okay. Then I think Dad corrected me, and then I had to like rewatch them. So it really resonated the Dad stuff with you with this one because it's like bringing oh, you back to the bond. Well, so the funny thing is, is it didn't resonate with me again. Like I am loving watching things I watched as a kid because I remember what I as I was watching this, I'm like, oh yeah, Kid JC loved that, and Kid JC loved that, and Kid JC thought she was sexy, and all of this <laughs> stuff. And now, like as an adult, I'm like, oh. That was, oh, that's a lot deeper because of emotional trauma. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe that's how me and my dad relate to one another. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. Rewatching it last night was a enjoyable and b like I felt like I was in a therapy session. <laughs> You're on a couch. <laughs> I, I was in a bit of a therapy session. I'm like, oh god. So I remember uh, I had seen Raiders at this point, and I had seen Temple of Doom. My parents finally allowed me to see Temple of Doom. Uh, and we knew Last Crusade was coming out and we were going to go see it as a family. And my mom went out for a girl's night and she came back and she had seen it before all of us. <laughs> and I was so pissed. Oh, I was so pissed. And I remember she walked in, stood at the doorman. She goes, okay, I have to tell you something. Did she spoil it? I saw Last Crusade. And I, I remember I where I was. This is like the JFK shooting. I remember exactly where I was. Yeah. I was on the couch watching TV, and I turned my head around, and I jumped over the couch and was like, what are you talking about? We were supposed to see it all together. And my dad got up and left the room. <laughs> <laughs> now, she, she said, we'll see it next week, but before you see it, you've got to read the novelization. Because she was, she was a promoter of reading. Uh, you know, uh, if I, yeah. So I was like, I was like, did novels even exist of these in the eighties? Oh they, yeah, yeah. They, I figured they would have come like in the nineties. Yeah, 90s. he had the he had the audio book. Did he? Oh, I, did, I did have the audio. Well, book. Temple of Doom. Remember the one I was showing you with the, the little uh, kitty ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I had yeah, one of those for yeah. Temple of Doom and Raiders actually. Uh, but I do remember like breezing through that book so fast, and it, like that next week I saw it in theaters. I was like. This is the greatest movie of my life. I mean, if you breeze through a book, it's going to go fast because you're not reading it. I I read it. But she was like, yeah, it's going to explain how he got his scar and how he gets the whip and the hat. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this sounds amazing. Yay. Woo. Ah, because when you're a kid, you don't care about depth. You care about 2D, not 3D. So just like Solo. Exactly. It's a very two-dimensional movie, not a three-dimensional movie. You love how you get to learn how they got all the things. Yes, when I was eight, that's how I thought. 
Isn't it nice to know that I'm still innate with my inner child? <laughs> yes, I mean, he, he, he has a point. I'm so glad I got to know how he got Chewy from Chewbacca. Because <laughs> I couldn't put that together. It's one of my favorite theater moments. Is Because I saw this movie when I went down to visit Steve. We both saw it together. And at that moment, when he did his... Steve knows exactly what did I do Steve as soon as he did that oh you just looked at me and you just put your hands in your face <laughs> <laughs> and if you could have at the time in the theater you would have says when did he learn to speak Wookie <laughs> and why I, have we never heard him ever do it again <laughs> I don't know personal choice personal choice <laughs> okay <laughs> Let's get into the making of this one. <laughs> now talk about Solo. We'll, we'll still talk about Solo eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> Something tells me someone's going to bring it up a few times in here. <laughs> what would I do that? Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Okay, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg had intended to make a trilogy of Indiana Jones films since Lucas had first pitched Raiders of the Lost Ark to Spielberg in 77, though they signed for five films with Paramount Pictures by 79. After the mixed critical and public reaction to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Spielberg decided to complete the trilogy to fulfill his promise to Lucas with the intent to invoke the film with the spirit and tone of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Temple of Doom writers Willard Hike and Gloria Katz chose not to return due to both having other commitments and feeling satisfied with their work in the second film. Throughout the film's development and pre-prod, Spielberg admitted he was consciously regressing in making the film. Due to his big commitment to the film, the director had to drop out of directing Big and Rain Man. So he could have directed Big and Rain Man, and he chose Last Crusade. I think that turned out all right. I yeah, Big is a classic. Rain Man's a, a well, award a great, winner. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's like everybody won with that decision. Yeah, yeah. But I love the fact that two of the writers left because they liked what they did with Temple of Doom. And Spielberg says he's regressing with this film, and I've got a few things to say about that because this film is very much an echo of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, this movie is definitely better than Temple. But I will agree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Y'all wait for me to say more. I'm not going to add more to that. Lucas initially suggested making the film a haunted mansion movie for which romancing the stone writer Diane Thomas wrote a script. Spielberg rejected the idea because of the similarity to Poltergeist, which he had co-written and produced. And he also directed it, but we won't talk about that. He intended the Grail to have a pagan basis with the rest of the film revolving around a separate Christian artifact in Africa. Spielberg did not care for the Grail idea, which he found too esoteric, even after Lucas suggested giving it healing powers and the ability to grant immortality. In September 1984, Lucas completed an eight-page treatment titled Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, which he soon followed with an 11-page outline. The story saw Indiana battling a ghost in Scotland before finding the Fountain of Youth in Africa. I kind of want to see that. Movie. <laughs> no. Do you want to? That might be worse than Temple of Doom. <laughs> do you, you want to see that just because you want to see how bad it could be? I don't know. <laughs> I at least want to read the script. Yeah, I mean, that I do want to see. 
Yeah, it's just the title alone was just like, nope, a monkey when, king. Because when you said monkey king, I'm like, oh, he's going to go to China. Because there's a, there's a famous Chinese proverb about the monkey king. Yes. But then you said Scotland and Africa. And I'm like, I need to know how monkeys are in Scotland. Look, Lucas is a creative. And creatives tend to throw a lot at the wall. And then whatever's sticking, that's what they go with. I know. <laughs> I want to see the wall. <laughs> okay, Chris Columbus, who had written the Spielberg-produced Gremlins, The Goonies, and Young Sherlock Holmes, was hired to write the script. His first draft changed the main plot device to a garden of immortal peaches. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it begins in 1937 with Indiana battling the murderous ghost of Baron Seamus Seagrove III in Scotland. Indiana, Indiana travels to Mozambique to aid Dr. Claire Clark, a Catherine Hepburn type, who has found a 200-year-old pygmy. The pygmy is kidnapped by the Nazis during a boat chase, and Indiana Claire and Scraggy Briar, an old friend of Indiana, travel up the Zambezi River to rescue him. Indiana is killed in the climactic battle, but is resurrected by the Monkey King. Other characters include a cannibalistic African tribe, Nazi Sergeant Gutenberg, who has a mechanical arm, Betsy, a stowaway student who is suicidal in love with Indiana and a pirate leader, leader named Kizer described as a Toshiro Mifun type who dies eating a peach because he is not pure of heart. Oh man, that would have offended so many people. <laughs> people I, who say I, Temple was offensive would have been like, nah, Temple's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, as you read that, I'm like, oh, 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 that's no, no. They were on shrooms or something when they came up with this and I'm happy that like, Common sense one out. Yeah, that I, this is just like <laughs> as soon as you said go up the Zimbab Zambezi River, I'm like, what is this? The Jungle River? Movie? Jungle Cruise? <laughs> Jungle Cruise? It's immediately what I thought of. I was like, no. They did oh, keep God. one idea from this script, and that is who dies eating a peach because he is not pure of heart, because. Doesn't Walter die from drinking the wrong grail because he's evil? Oh, I was evil? like, who the hell ate a peach in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> there were no peaches uh, hurt in this movie. No, I mean, that's a great scene whenever he... he uh, did he die because he wasn't pure of heart? Or did he die because he chose the wrong grail? Did he choose yes. the wrong grail because he wasn't pure of heart? He let somebody else pick it. <laughs> that's true, he did let somebody else pick it. Now my head hurts. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> so Columbus' second draft removed Betsy and featured Dash, an expatriate bar owner for whom the Nazis work, and the Monkey King as villains. The Monkey King forces Indiana and Dash to play chess with real people and disintegrates each person who is captured. Indiana subsequently battles the undead, hey, we did that yesterday, destroys the Monkey King's rod and marries Claire. Location scouting commenced in Africa, but Spielberg and Lucas abandoned Monkey King because of its negative depiction of African natives and because the script was too unrealistic. Both of <laughs> Yes, both are a problem. Wow. Spielberg acknowledged that it that made him, quote, well. feel very old, too old to direct it. Columbus's script was leaked out of the internet in 1997, and many believed it was an early draft for the fourth film because it was made mistakenly dated to 1995. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so, <clears throat> dissatisfied, Spielberg suggested introducing Indiana's father, Henry Jones Sr. Lucas was dubious, believing the Grail should be the story's focus. But Spielberg convinced him that the father-son relationship would serve as a great metaphor in Indiana's search for the artifact. 
Spielberg hired Menno Magis, who had worked on Spielberg's The Color Purple and Empire of the Sun, to begin a new script on January 1st of 1986. Magis completed his script 10 months later. It depicted Indiana searching for his father in Montsegur, where he meets a nun named Chantal. Indiana travels to Venice, takes the Orient Express to Istanbul, and continues by train to Petra, where he meets Salah and reunites with his father. Together, they find the grail. At the climax, a Nazi villain touches the grail and explodes. When Henry touches it, he ascends a stairway to heaven. Chantal chooses to stay on Earth because of her love for Indiana. In a revised draft dated two months later, Indiana finds his father in Croc de Chevalet. The Nazi leader is a woman named Greta von Grimm, and Indiana battles a demon at the Grail site, which he defeats with a dagger inscribed with God is King. The prologue in both drafts has Indiana in Mexico battling his for possession of Montezuma's death mask with a man who owns gorillas as pets. No. <laughs> No. You know, after hearing all of this and then thinking what finally went what? on film, like none of this sounds realistic at all. I mean, <laughs> this, the, the, the now, one that was put on film, I'm okay, call me biased because I love the film, but it just seems a lot more realistic than anything even close to that. But I mean, all this is just considering a stairway what... to heaven. Considering what Joe has read, I suddenly feel like Crystal Skull, and I haven't seen Donald, <laughs> but it sounds like they definitely went a whole lot better than they could have gone. Yes. <laughs> I mean, again, they're creatives. They throw a lot of things at the wall. Yes, they did. I mean, I know you've seen the original Star Wars graphic novel that I had. Yeah, I bought one. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, good thing this wasn't made. <laughs> But it's, I actually kind of, it's entertaining, but yeah, it works as a graphic novel. I don't think it would have yes. worked as a movie. Okay, now we get to one of the actual writers, Bohm. Okay, in Bohm's first draft, dated September of 87, the film is set in 1939. The prologue has adult Indiana retrieving an Aztec relic for a museum curator in Mexico and features the circus train. Henry and Elsa uh, were searching for the grail on behalf of the Chandler Foundation before Henry was missing. The character of Kazim is here named Kamal and is an agent of the Republic of Hatay, which seeks the grail for its own. Kamal shoots Henry and dies drinking from the wrong chalice. The grail knight battles Indiana on horseback while Vogel is crushed by a boulder while attempting to steal the grail. We're getting closer. Yeah. Yes. Just the next paragraph. I oh, know. Bohm's February 23. Yeah, Bohm's February 23, 1988. Rewrite used many of Connery's comic suggestions. It included the prologue that was eventually filmed because of the mixed response to Empire of the Sun, which was about a young boy. Lucas had to convince Spielberg to show Indiana as a boy. Spielberg, who was later awarded the Distinguished Eagle Scout Award, had the idea of making Indiana a boy scout. The 1912 prologue as seen in the film refers to events in the lives of Indiana's creators. When Indiana cracks the bullwhip to defend himself against a lion, he accidentally lashes and scars his chin. Ford gained this scar in a car accident as a young man. Indiana taking his name from his pet Alaskan Malamute is a reference to the character being named after Lucas's dog. The train carriage, Indiana enters his name Dr. Fantasy's Magic Caboose, which was the name producer Frank Marshall used when performing magic tricks. Spielberg suggested the idea Marshall came up with the false bottom box through which Indiana escapes and production designer Elliot Scott suggested the trick be done in a single uninterrupted shot, which makes no sense in the movie because you're showing all angles of the box and unless he went through the floor, that means that the box has to be on the train in order to be performed. Yeah, yes. which is what happened. 
but you would take the box off the train to perform that in the circus. Yeah, and yeah. Then you'd put it in another spot where there's a hole in the floor, and you do it there. Right, but if there was a hole at the bottom of the train, how would he get out? I don't know. You, it's where he got his inspiration for climbing underneath the car in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's under a train, Steve. Yes, I like it, Steve. Well done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Steve is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that was inspired. I'm proud of you, Steve. Oh, you make me, you make my heart hurt. There's the connection. All right. Spielberg, Spielberg intended the shot of Henry with his umbrella after he causes the bird strike on the German plane to evoke Ryan's daughter. Indiana's mother, named Margaret in this version, dismisses Indiana when he returns home with the cross of Coronado while his father is on a long distance call. Walter Chandler of the Chandler Foundation features but is not the main villain. He plunges to his death in the tank. Elsa introduces Indiana and Brody to a large Venetian family that knows Henry. Lenny Riefestahl oh. yeah, appears at the Nazi rally in Berlin. Vogel is beheaded by the traps guarding the grail. I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kemal tries to blow up the Grail Temple during a comic fight in which gunpowder is repeatedly lit and extinguished. Elsa shoots Henry, then dies drinking from the wrong grail. I would have liked that too. Yeah. And Indiana rescues his father from falling into the chasm while grasping for the grail. Bohm's revision of March 1st showed Henry causing the seagulls to strike the plane and has Henry saving Indiana at the end. Which are both fantastic changes. I think those are good changes also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get closer. Wait, do I? Yes. Yes. I mean, I like the first one. Dads save sons. But the son could have saved the dad from his obsession. He does earlier. He does. But we don't know it until he says, let it go, Indiana. I know. <laughs> That's what makes that the best. I'm just, just throwing ideas out there. That's all. Yeah, it didn't stick. It, it fell off the it, wall. It's still sticking in my head a little. Now I'm like, oh, no. What do I do with my grade? <laughs> okay. Be wrong. Be, be wrong. Okay, solo. Shit, I said it again. <laughs> you know what? You're the one bringing it up. I know. I can't I stop. I haven't said it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, let's get into this movie. <laughs> is the search for the divine in all of us. But if you want facts, Cindy, I've none to give you. At my age, I'm prepared to take a few things on faith. Call Donovan, Marcus. Tell him I'll take that ticket to Venice now. Okay, the story opens in Monument Valley, Utah in 1912. A troop of Boy Scouts are exploring the area. One of the scouts, Indiana Jones, finds a cave where a party led by mercenaries wearing, a mercenary wearing a fedora and leather jacket finds the Cross of Coronado, a priceless Spanish-American artifact. Indy, believing it belongs in a museum, takes it and is pursued, attempting to escape by horseback. He's followed by the mercenaries in autos, but boards a circus train to elude them. Does everybody know who Coronado was? I don't, could you explain? 
So Francisco de Coronado Coronado was the one of the Spanish American ex, or Spanish explorers in America that come over around like he's like late 1680s into sort of the early part of the 17th century, and he is the guy that goes searching around. He discovers at least from a European perspective, because natives would have already known that this existed, uh, the um, Grand Canyon. Okay. So Coronado, Coronado's expedition historically is famous for discovering the Grand Canyon. However, along his expedition, he runs into so many different Native American tribes. And by this point, they know the Spanish, they hate the Spanish. So historically true they start feeding coronado all of these stories about oh there's a golden city oh there's the city of gold oh don't forget about all of the gold and they would just sort of send him further and further and further into like the <laughs> desert into like this very dangerous area and so coronado is famous for looking for el dorado he's one of oh, the okay. he is one of the people that famously wrote about in a lot of his journals searches for the seven cities of gold which Even, ties into kingdom of the crystal skull exactly um which is also ironic considering there actually was <laughs> Steve, that look <laughs> which, which is also kind of funny because there actually was a El Dorado in Colombia from a Native American group called the Chichua. And those natives uh, called El Dorado their chief, who they would lit, and this is true, they would literally cover him in gold dust. And then he had to wash off in this like sacred pool in order to be cleansed as the leader of the Chichua tribe. And that's that's the actual legend of El Dorado, and it evolved into like cities, cities and stuff. of gold, exactly because the Spanish can't translate for damn, at least the old Spanish. Sorry, I'm not trying to uh, upset modern Spanish. The old conquistadors were bastards. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You're in, you're in a safe space, JC. <laughs> so there's your history lesson. I'm, I'm that, triggered. That's so that's 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 Coronado. Uh, so th this cross is like very realistic. It would have been in southwestern like Arizona. Like, kudos. Like that's a pretty accurate thing. I mean, it's it's a pretty cross. It's yeah, also well, now that I now that I know this backstory, I think I like the I like the backdrop even better. I mean, I know you talk about how beautiful all the rock formations are. Yes, it looks awesome. It does. It does. It looks great. And you know what? I lived in California for seven years when I was a wee lad. And I never really got to do traveling anywhere out to the West to see any of, any of that stuff. Um, but no, seeing it on film here was absolutely great. And now that I know the backstory, that makes a heck of a lot more sense that they would be there. Yeah. I do love the trick that they use with the hat. Yeah, because for the, so first cool. two, the first two movies, that's how he's introduced is his head's down and he lifts his head up. Here, the head's down, he lifts his head up and you realize that's not Indy. <laughs> Well, well, I you, mentioned in Raiders that, you know, that's the first thing you learn to love or familiar yourself with is the outfit. Because yeah. you don't see his face right off the bat. He's the hat so and the notice, whip. Yeah, so you see all that. I don't know if I see a whip on that guy. Yeah, I don't think he had a whip because the whip doesn't come in until the circus train. In Raiders? Yeah. Oh, Raiders? No. I thought you were talking about Raiders. No, we're talking about Crusade. Okay, yeah, he's got, but he's got the leather jacket. He's even the got hat. the beige shirt underneath it. Yes. Wearing khakis, got, because that's what you do. Yeah, he's got all that. So naturally, you, that, that's Indiana Jones. Or yeah. But nope, then he turns around, it's just somebody doing a cosplay. It, yeah. 
Good. I was going to talk about River Phoenix. How God. good is River Phoenix in this movie? Fantastic. He really is a good indie. He's a fan, he, not just good. He's a good Harrison Ford. Like he nailed Harrison Ford's reading of lines, like the way he says certain things. Like when he whispers, she's like, you know, the snake lands on the kid. And he kind of goes, "It's just a snake. Let it go." You know, and you're like, "That's a Harrison Ford delivery right yep. there." I can't believe we lost this guy so early in his life. But I mean, how many people have we lost great because of drug addiction? Yeah. Uh, Did he? He died with the uh, OD'd. But it was at a club, wasn't it? Oh, I don't remember. I it just was at a nightclub. He... he was with. I remember he was with Johnny Depp at the time. Yeah. All I know is it was speed balls. It was those like balls of cocaine that you do. Oh, Speedball was the uh, the person who set off Civil War in Marvel. Uh, okay, I do like the use of costuming in this. The, there's the one guy in white. He sticks out like a sore thumb. You know he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Or you know he's important. He's to important story. to the story. He's the boss, if you will. He doesn't. He's not dirty at all. Yeah, before I saw this movie just recently, I was thinking, is he any relation to Belloc? Because that's kind of what I was thinking. It would have been interesting. He starts talking. It's like, no, he's not. Yeah, it would have been interesting if he was in some relation, but I almost feel like you make the story too small then. That's true. Yeah. Um, I love the horse spit. Like when he whistles for the horse and the yeah. horse comes up and then moves. And then I love when the guy whistles and the car comes up <laughs> because like it instantly tells you this is not a movie that's going to take itself seriously. And I, I like that. As an adult, yeah. I liked that. I'm like, okay, we're in for some campy fun. Where does that car come from? How does it know to be there? <laughs> he whistled. <laughs> that driver's got good hearing. I was going to say. <laughs> Although how and the driver knew to come for the second whistle and not the first whistle is even more confusing. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we've all got to change our grades based off the whistle. <laughs> Well, I mean, I thought Joe was going to knock this because here we go with the horses and the car bit again. You know how horses can't keep up with cars, let alone trains. I'm like, here, here, here it starts. You, go ahead. you do realize that the fastest those trucks could go from like the 19 teens is like maybe 30 miles an hour. Actually, they could go up to about 60 miles per hour. I did the research myself during really? uh, Temple. Was it Temple or Raiders? It was Raiders, right? Okay. Yeah. And yeah, a horse's top speed is around 35. That's okay. You missed what I said. That's the 1940s, 1930s. 19 teens. How fast could cars go? Because this is 1917. Well, let me also say, I never mentioned it in this. Oh. He mentioned it. Well, that's what I was going <laughs> off of. I'm like, yeah. it is very believable. It's that a, a Model could, T. Yeah, a horse is going to outrun a Model T. Yeah. <laughs> now, a train. How many a horsepower? Story. How many horsepower does it have? Uh, well, yeah. back then it was like a horsepower. <laughs> that's the thing. I, I honestly don't know what a Model T has without googling it. I wouldn't know either. Uh, well, while on the train, he crawls through a car full of snakes, thereby providing the backstory for his ophidiophobia, and then finds himself in a car with a lion from whom he escapes by using a bullwhip he finds hanging on the wall, in which his first attempt, attempt backlashes and gives him a cut on his chin. After a few more dangerous encounters, including a near castration by the horn of a rhinoceros, annoyed by the tussle on his roof, Indy escapes the train through a magician's magic box and takes the cross home. I just said, funny how a vat of snakes is scarier than just one from earlier. Well, which, because, which, I think that I think that that would be true, because I remember when we did Alien and Aliens, Sam asked me which would be scarier for you: one alien, oh no, one brown recluse hanging around your apartment and you don't know where it is, or 
a million butterflies in the, and you don't know, or ladybugs, it was ladybugs. And I was like, the ladybugs. That would ladybugs freak me out more. Scary. I was gonna say ladybugs aren't scary. Well, I also said it was a false equivalency because ladybugs and, and brown recluses are different things. If you give me a bunch of brown recluses, yeah, I'm getting the hell out of that house. Well, that's why, and yeah, I said, I think Indy was fine with one snake, but then when you get thrown into a vat of snakes, that's gonna mess with your head a little bit. It's so, a little traumatizing. Uh, it is a little traumatizing. I, I guess I'll agree because I don't know where that one spider is right now. <laughs> he's, he's gone. <laughs> but my question is- That's okay, it's on Joe's shoulder. What? <laughs> <laughs> why is he? Why are they traveling with that look? many He's snakes? He's in Florida. <laughs> you turned around. <laughs> that was too easy. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> I was going to say, why are they traveling? Why does the carnival need this many snakes? <laughs> I mean, I understand. Like, I can't remember what it says on the sidecar. Like the like. World it was like the reptile, reptile house. Yeah, but it's like, I, no, that's like something you'd have at like a zoo. But I'm know. not even sure a zoo would have that many. <laughs> there were six square boxes filled to the brim with snakes. Yes. I agree with Steve. That's way more snakes than you need. Along with one really rubbery looking one that just shoots out of the water. Hey, it was a scary python. <laughs> it looked, looked like its head was non straight. Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> that thing was scary back then when you see it like for the first or second time as a kid now it's like yeah that looks not that doesn't even look like a snake it looks like a it's a jump scare though i yeah yeah exactly what it is. it'll scare you no matter what it could be a kitten you'd be like fuck yeah <laughs> really yeah, but you know what I, <laughs> I totally buy how this you know him falling into the snakes is a huge ptsd because i mean if you fall into a pit of tarantulas yeah would that freak you out for the rest of your life? If I fell into a cage with one, it would freak me out for the rest of my life. So it, it makes sense that this is why, you know, beforehand he deals with the one snake, shoves it off, but then he falls into that and you're screwed up for the rest of your life. Yes, yeah. But I also think that this whole scene is served to simply explain things about him that we've always associated with Indy, which is the hat, the, the whip, whip, the, the scar, scar, and just generally speaking, his fear of snakes. These are all things that aren't valuable in character. They're valuable in just, if we give you a silhouette, you know who it is. And what I love about this movie that I'm gonna talk about later is that it takes that two dimensional look that we've seen Indy as. And throughout this movie, we add the third dimension of there's more to him than just those things. Yeah. But it's a yeah, lot of fun I to mean, figure out how he got those things. It, it's pointless. And it, well, I thought it was all these Never things wonder. that happened. I'm happy to know how he got them. I thought all these things and how it happened from the whip and all that stuff. It's just, it was very natural on how it happened. Yeah. Oh. You know, going across. I think it was done very, very well. Unlike, you know, you know, here's your gun, Solo. <laughs> this is how you get it. <laughs> I think they're both fantastic. I think it's great how we learned about both things. That's not how the magician's box works. <laughs> Clearly, you don't know magic, and that's okay. We know it's a magic box. You go in, you disappear. That's all you need to know. It's that. That's not how it works. <laughs> well, I don't see any, you know, reference in your 
backdrop there. I'll bet you're a magician. So where's your... Other than I just made your point just disappear. I, I think Harry I got Potter more credibility. There. <laughs> Why do you only have the first four? Because that's when I stopped reading them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, his father's busy working on a drawing that looks like a stained glass window. When Indy excitedly tries to tell his father about it, his father rebuffs him, telling him to calm down by counting to 10 in Greek. Moments later, a fellow scout whom Indy had sent for the sheriff when he discovered the illegal dig returns with the sheriff. But he's dismayed to find that the burly businessman wearing a Panama hat who had hired the mercenaries had also brought the law. And Indy is forced to surrender the cross to the looters. However, before the head mercenary leaves the house, he says to Indy, you lost this time, kid, but you don't have to like it. And puts the fedora on the boy's head to that do 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 and you go, yay, he's complete. Yep. <laughs> that was a cool scene. Yeah. Uh, I won't. How long was that boy blowing that horn? Because his cheeks are so freaking red. <laughs> he looked he, like he was like, running along the way with it. <laughs> he he must have done like nine takes. <laughs> that may have been take number seven or eight. Just I love when he grabs it out of his mouth and you see the spit fly out. <laughs> but he, again, I got to give props to river phoenix when he encounters his father and the way he starts to count in greek and then he starts to back out of the room because that's a harrison ford mood move right there that's like i could see him kind of smiling and slowly closing the door you know i got this myself river phoenix taken too soon yeah as R it, river got the campy alden got the playful <laughs> alden got shafted it's alden did great the other thing that I love about this scene is it shows us, look, we have a crappy father who's a terrible dad, but he's a fantastic worker. He's really, really good at his job. He was a great dad. I taught you self-reliance. Yeah. <laughs> if that's a cop-out as answer as a dad. Did I ever ask you to go to bed, eat your food? No. Yeah. Yes. I respected your privacy. Because that's the lessons a young child needs is figuring out how to care for himself at nine. Well, I'm not saying he was a good dad. I'm just saying how he defends his being a good dad. He was a crappy dad. I love how the movie sets up. He's going to be a terrible dad, but he's going to be really, really good at his job. Well... <laughs> That's the thing. It's a hobby for him. It's not even his job. He was a university teacher. Oh, was yeah, I was going to say, yeah, parenting is definitely a hobby for him. He is definitely a hobby <laughs> parent. That is 100% true. He is a hobby dad. As Indy smiles, the scene fades, and the scene changes to 1938 aboard a freighter in a violent Atlantic storm. Indy has tracked down the cross, but is again confronted by the man in the Panama hat and his henchmen. He grabs the artifact, fights off the crew, and dives into the ocean scant seconds before a massive wave collapses the ship's funnel, causing it to fall onto a load of explosives. As Indy grabs a life preserver from the wreck, he sees the Panama hat sinking nearby as the Hulk, uh, the Hulk of the ship sinks. The hull of the ship sinks. That should be hull, not Hulk. The name is visible on the bow, Coronado. Okay. Oh, why is the ship the called... teleprompter. What? <laughs> Ron Burgundy you will read everything you say. You, you'll know he'll read what you put up there. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Okay. Why is the ship called Coronado? I thought all of his heirs were long gone. I, I think he's like screw like I think the white guy is saying F you to the world like <laughs> I have his trinket I have the gold and can't push me <laughs> uh 
Also, also, I never even realized Coronado was the name of the ship. <laughs> That's why you look at when it's going down. Well, but clearly I wasn't paying attention because when I read it in your thing, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And then I watched the scene. Yeah, there must have been something behind that because they, as the ship's going down, they kind of focus on where it says Coronado. It's there. Maybe the guy was just obsessed with him. Like, you would think, like, him. if you're looking for the cross of Coronado, Maybe you don't put it on the vessel named Coronado. <laughs> yeah, but the police helped him, so maybe he knew that the law was on his side. Even 20 years later? Apparently. Okay. Uh, I love the practical effects in this. The water, all the, it looks good. Uh, it feels real. I, I feel like I need a towel when I'm watching this. It just oh God. looks all uncomfortable. That come, all that water coming off is just like you're completely soaked. But... I want to know why do people make dumb decisions and keep the most flammable objects in the open area? JC? Because they look really cool when it goes boom, boom. It... <laughs> I guess my only rebuttal with this with is it. like, why would you keep it underneath, inside of the vessel, keep it on the outside of the vessel? I don't know, but it's just... Because then... Why are they... Then, why are they hauling all those explosives? Because they're searching for a cross. The TNT die doesn't get to go boom boom on the set. It's and the Mi- it it's really, the Michael Bay effect because it looks cool. I was gonna say also if it gets wet, is it still going to work? That works with um, black powder. Gunpowder can get wet and it'll still fire. I, I wrote in here. It's a smart writing choice to show how Indy's been looking for this artifact forever by skipping from the origin of the fedora to where he finally gets the best of the group of the grave robbers. Yep, Because it's not just about the artifact for him, it's about justice also. He is Captain of the haven't even said the famous quote yet. It belongs in a museum. So do you. <laughs> I love that line too, when he says it. When he said it, I was like, oh, I forgot, that's one of my favorites in this movie. <laughs> that, that is a good line. But he is in open water. I really hope he gets a ride back soon. I, he's got the the floaty, and like, does he feel bad for like killing the guys? Like, it doesn't. Like, he is an academic, but he kills a lot of people. He's around <laughs> death a lot. Yeah. Does he feel bad? Going back to the waters thing, it's like, do you know where they're at? Are they like in the middle of the ocean? It was off the coast of Portugal. Oh, so he can, it's like, you know, I, I just immediately thought of like the ending of Jaws. They'll just kick over there and swim. Okay, but <laughs> the waves that you're seeing, you're not going to see a hundred yards off the coast. You're going to see it about a thousand yards off the coast. Yeah, I wouldn't have been smart enough in. to know that. Just going to ride it in. <laughs> uh, okay, Indy returns to his university and after a moment of comic relief, almost identical to the similar scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, gives the artifact to Marcus Brody for the museum, then goes to his office where he's surrounded by a phalanx of students. His secretary, Irene, gives him a ream of papers to be graded as well as phone messages and a brown paper package from Venice, which he absently stuffs in his pocket. After sitting for a moment in his artifact-cluttered office, he sneaks out through his window, but is greeted by three men who step from a sinister black sedan. sedan. They ask him to accompany them to an elegant penthouse apartment. Uh, it's great to see him back in the classroom. The te- I, I, We're all teachers here. Don't yeah. we love the fact that Indy's a teacher? I like teacher Indy. He'd, like be, he'd be a fun teacher. I'd almost want to see just where he has a... just What's his daily life at school like? Yeah. You know? But also, why on earth is his office a boiler room it's the best office ever that is an awful looking office dude <laughs> it's just filled with artifacts that would be the best yeah. office ever 
I mean, you would prefer yeah, an art a, a, an office that's dusty and dirty and probably hot as hell, dude. It's archaeology. It's you know, archaeology. he's not getting the funding he needs. Yeah. He's not getting the funding he needs. I don't know. I'm looking at the the building he's crawling out the window of. That school probably has no problem with funding. Yeah, the school doesn't, but clearly Indy's not getting what he deserves, especially considering he just gave the school museum the cross of Coronado. But he's well Which compensated I, every time. Yeah, I'd Is like he? to actually go back and pause that scene to see if there's any Easter eggs with any of those artifacts. <gasps> That's a good point. Oh, the Marvel effect. <laughs> the collector. But, but it was before Marvel, so is it the Indy effect? And Marvel just copied Indy? Well, if Indy did it, yes. Uh, we get the line X never ever marks the spot and uh, well, we're gonna find out that's wrong. Yeah, but what I love yeah, is that really. they don't do it at the end of the movie. They yeah. do it like 20 minutes later. This sucks that it's the final appearance of Brody. You know, it, it does suck that it is his last movie, um, but he was all pretty much with us almost the entire time. And I'm glad he was there all the way to the end. I thought for him, it was a good send off which is clearly what should have happened. They and, did you know, everything. Bringing them back. They did everything they could to make Brody look like a doofus in this. I mean, got lost in his own museum. You had to uphold that. He rides his horse in the wrong direction at the end. He doesn't know any languages at all when he goes to Cairo. I mean, they really do a thing where they take this character who, if you watch Raiders, he was an esteemed colleague. Yeah. Yes. And now they're treating him almost like what happens? Eh. What happens to that esteemed, brilliant, uh, respected professor that's been at the job just too long? Well, JC, you've been a <laughs> for seven years, right? I know. And what's, <laughs> what's seven? This How long is, you been there? This is your sixteen. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is my 16th year, dude. <laughs> but you're not a doofus. You've gotten better with time. Have I? Are you saying I'm just not a little bit more insane? People don't stay a little bit further away from me. People warn, hey, just so you know, before you talk to, to Mr. Just, just know this about him. There's not a little bit of warnings. I know this. The JC I met, I met nine years ago, which makes my seven look stupid. The JC I met nine years ago was was more immature than you are now. You've matured. Or have I just gotten really better at my shenanigans? Well, that's the thing. If you, you've gotten more clever then, Marcus is constantly undercut by dialogue in this. Well, they, I mean, how, how old do my jokes get if you only hear me talk? But you're not Marcus. <laughs> oh, so I'm not- Seven years old, apparently. I'm not, I'm not an esteemed colleague. <laughs> okay, listen up, guys. <laughs> No, too early for this. You got seven seconds or you want 16 seconds for that? <laughs> okay, he meets Walter Donovan. 
A generous donor to the museum, Donovan is apparently an oil magnet whose drilling team has uncovered fragments of a stone marker dating to the 12th century near Ankara, Turkey. The marker is read by Indy, and to a surprise, it details, quote, the cup that holds the blood of Jesus Christ, end quote. The Holy Grail, whose waters can grant immortality. Donovan's project leader has deduced that a second marker left behind by a knight who had found the grail is somewhere in Venice, but a major snag has occurred as the project leader who ends up being his own father and all his research have vanished to the concern of his dis assistant, Dr. Elsa Schneider. Wonder who she works for. <laughs> it's the 1930s. What else do you want? <laughs> I don't know. Change your last name so you don't sound so German. Uh, that's true. Austrian. Sorry, Steve. Czechoslovakian. Yeah. Uh, Walter's a new villain for this. He's a new type of villain. Belloc was a shadow of Indy. Mola Ram was clearly evil. Donovan feels like just a rich benefactor who has interests that align with Indy. But are we also learning that in the end, all the rich want is what they want because they can afford it. And because the rich only want what the rich want. That's they, something the poor would say. They are in the end the villains <laughs> of everything. The rich are not villains. Okay. <laughs> this is not a woke cast. This is a podcast. <laughs> We're not going to sit there and blame the people who are wealthy for all of our problems. They're our own problems. John Williams, Steve, talking about Williams. This is where we get that new John Williams song for this indie. And oh my God, it hits so differently. Whenever they talk in, whenever they bring in the theology, it just uh, it's creepy, but it's also just epic. I can hear it in my head right now, and I immediately think of this movie. I love this soundtrack yep yeah it's it, a fantastic one i love this this is the first one i identify with much like the temple of doom march uh they're both i know that we said earlier there's the indie theme that we all know mm -hmm. but then there's only other two that i can pick up in my head right away one's the temple of doom march and the other one is when all the spiritual feeling that you get from john williams's thing when he talks about the grail and you've you're like i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right mm -hmm. now it, it evokes something yeah i mean it, it i don't know where he got the inspiration one but it, it feels like when you when i hear it i feel like there's some I mean, i grew up going to a catholic church i feel like there's some catholic type of those songs or those chants are in that song I, 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 it's weird i don't know if that makes sense but i feel like that is part of it yeah so yeah uh to indy do you have anything else to add i'm sorry no Okay. Uh, to Indy's surprise, his father is Donovan's project leader, and when Indy and Marcus find Henry's house ransacked and his mail open, Indy suddenly remembers the package he got from Venice, his dad's diary, which contains all his father's research on the grail. And Marcus Brody adds in his spiritual line, because he has to do with it every time he shows up on the screen. Raiders of the Lost Ark, he does the exact same thing. He does it here also. The search for the grail is the search for the divine in all of us. But if you want facts, Indy, I have none to give you. And this is my favorite part of it. At my age, I'm prepared to take a few things on faith. Yeah. Because as we get older, we tend to turn more towards what's next. Now that's funny what, compared to what I'm going to talk about later. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, but um, we're only 24 minutes in. I, I love this because it, it presents my favorite thing about this entire movie, and that's the Grail Diary. Because the Grail Diary becomes the treasure map, and that's what the rest of this movie becomes, is how do we follow the clues in the treasure map? And I like I didn't realize how much I missed that. Like, a lot of modern movies don't literally give you 
I think the last modern one I can think of was National Treasure, where there's like, hey, here's the clue. Now we're going to follow all the clue, clues to get yeah. to the end. Yeah. And that's yeah. what Last of the Last Crusade becomes. Little The rest of the movie is what this clue leads us to this clue, which leads us to this clue. And I like that. Yeah. I forgot yeah. how much I liked that as a kid was just like, follow the clues on the map. But I also like that following those clues, it's not always successful. Mm -mm. Sometimes it's, we got the clue, and instead of saying, and then we did this, it's, but this happened. Yep. And that's where, like, I hate and then storytelling. This is but storytelling. There's always something that's an issue. Yeah. And well, it's, you can have the clue, but it's just what you do with it ends up whether it's making it successful or not. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off, JC. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I was just going to say, whenever there is this whole scene and Marcus Brody sort of has his comment and the fact that the dad is missing, this was like, everybody talks about how like the field of dreams is the movie that makes them miss their dad or that makes them like connect with their dad. This was it for me. Okay. Because... My father, who cared for me, was an absent father because of his job, all right? He was a physician, and just like Indy's dad being a, a obsessed with the grail, when you have a physician as a father, he's not going to be around a whole lot. Like, on-call's a real thing. Like, that's just reality, and I didn't want for a lot of things because of how good my dad was at his job. Yeah. But I also have a lot of unresolved things as a result of absence absent father and things so what i find interesting is this has sort of become a movie that my dad and i both latch onto, and it sort of brings us together because this movie allowed us both along with gettysburg which i think i've talked to you about joe yeah this movie and gettysburg are the two movies that kind of like pulled me and my dad together with our love of history so that's another thing um and I also love the idea of being forced to confront something that you hated. In Indy, he hated the Grail because it took his dad away from him. Yeah. Um, it had replaced him. And now, all of a sudden, as we get older, we realize this thing we hate, we may actually be fascinated with. And here is Indy because he has the dad's Grail diary and he's seeing his dad's thoughts. All of a sudden, oh, I may have resented that my dad chose the Grail over me. But now that I have the book, now I'm obsessed with the Grail and like, holy cow! I really want to find out what's going on. Look, that's cool. And that, like, as he as he goes through the book, he is slowly going down and down and down that hole, and he's just as captivated as his dad was. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> you have I, them, I, or <laughs> <laughs> no? I, that was great. No, I. I completely agree with everything you said. I, I'm reading what I wrote there and I notice it's just in the wrong spot. So, um, <laughs> okay. I agree with everything that you say. No, that's fine. It's All good. Right. Yeah. But, no, okay. Yes. Yeah, so for me, I see the grail diary more as it's the vehicle for which he's going to find his father. He cares more about finding his father than the grail. His, yes. his father is the I one who's pushing to find the grail when he gets there though. At the beginning. Yes. You're 100% yeah. at the beginning, but notice like, the more he opens the book and then like the scene in the library and I know I'm getting ahead but like as we go forth, through in scenes and even after he finds his father then you get to realize holy cow they're both going down this rabbit hole because right. whatever's in that book is so captivating that they're forgetting that he was a crappy dad they're forgetting that he was a crappy son and now they both just want to find what's at the end of this road what's 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 marked x at the spot I think there's also the idea that as a son who has 
not seen his father in, we're going to guess around 15, 20 years. Yeah. Um, that he, when, when he starts to solve some of these puzzles that his father did not, it's almost like a FU, like I could do it. And I've only been doing this for this long and you tried doing this your whole life and you would have never gone this far. And until he meets his father, that giddiness is more of a spiteful thing. Oh yeah. I, th that's how I read it. At least yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. it more spiteful. Like when he says, no rats, he hates rats. And he's all excited about doing the, the, the thing. I'm like, that's not, you're looking forward to the grail. This is more like dad, you, you, you didn't handle me properly. And now I'm doing what you could never do. Yeah. So, that, but that's how I read it. I like your interpretation also though. Yeah. Uh, Indy and Marcus fly to Venice where Donovan has arranged apartments for them and they meet with Schneider. She gives them a written note by Henry that contains only the Roman numerals, three, seven, and 10. Shaking your head, <laughs> Steve, right. go for it. All right. Before we get into any of this, <laughs> are there any geographical errors out there? Geography teacher. I did I did go, some go. research and no, no. you no, did. There was none on this map this time. <laughs> We finally got it right. <laughs> yes, they learned their lesson from Raiders of the Lost Ark that you can't just put any map up there when you're doing the travel. <laughs> okay, we can move on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I saw that too, I was like, Steve's gonna question me about the map. <laughs> uh, if there's one thing I've learned from movies, whenever the, somebody tells the hero, don't trust anybody, that's usually the person you can't trust to begin with. Yeah. I mean, Woody Harrelson says it to Alden Ehrenreich in, in Han, a Star Wars thingy. Very true. Yeah. Such a good movie. Okay, Elsa. Alice and Duty. We all know she's a Nazi from the get-go, right? Let it go. She's, she's Let it go. <laughs> or, or, or a Scandinavian princess who makes ice. <laughs> Can't hold it back anymore. Of the three women we've had as side characters, I think she's the prettiest. Oh, well, yeah. Classically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she outdoes Willie. She's smarter than Mary. Mary was more like street smart. Uh, Willie's got other attributes that I prefer. <laughs> well, okay. So we got three movies now. Let's yes. rank our damsels in distress. Okay. There, it, this is all personal preference. I'll start. Go. Seeing how it's my thing that you tried just tried to steal, but I'll go. Um, <laughs> I'll start. That's called leading you. <laughs> I'll number one for me, Willie. Surprisingly, like as I was as I, as I was typing this, I thought I would hate her the most. I can't believe you I'll chose Willie first. <laughs> I'll put her as number one. I think for the same reasons as JC. Um, Willie number one. Number two, Marion. Number three, Elsa. I agree. Joe? I agree with Steve 100. percent Well, when we're talking about damsel. Are we talking about them as their character or who I would save? Yes. Yes. Well, Elsa's a Nazi, so she's out. No, <laughs> we it's didn't just know that personal preference. That's why I left it like that. What do you think? Okay. <sighs> can we take Can we take out the history of the character also? No, because Mary he 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 met Mary when she was 15 years old. You're thinking too much into this. Fine. Marion one, Willie two, Elsa three. But looks wise, it's in reverse order. Elsa, Willie, Marion. Yeah, looks, character background, like chemistry, all of it. I would still go Willie, Marion, Elsa. 
<laughs> the couple times that Elsa smiles, I was like, oh. I mean, it's a kiss, marry, kill situation, right? That's what we're playing here, kiss, marry, kill? That's, much, that's yes. exactly That's yes. exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, so, I, well, if that's the case, I kiss Willie, I marry Marion, I kill Elsa. I kiss Marion, I marry Willie. <laughs> that's going to be fun. <laughs> Yeah, Elsa's gone. Bye. Elsa. <laughs> okay, Steve. Uh, We're not. I marry Willie. I kill Marion. Oh, and I kiss Elsa because she can kiss. <laughs> she is a good kisser. She is. Sean very... Connery can vote for it. That's true. <laughs> I think uh, I take that. I love how right away Indy's like heavily flirting with Elsa. Like he's yeah, I know, like more than any other. Never seen him have this kind of game. No, and all the other movies he's like that hard to get. Like well, well the first movie he's like, Oh my god, can we please get over it? And second one, Temple of Doom, he's playing hard to get, and this one he's head over heels. And they do a, they do a really cool gender flip joke on this with the doctor situation. Yep. Where who is he? Where are we gonna meet him and all that? Turns out to be a her, but what we don't see that most people glance away from is Indy's look back kind of like Heh. See, yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah, like he gets it, you know. But it's, it is nineteen thirty something, you know. Nineteen thirty-eight. Is it thirty-eight? I thought it was the forties. Because uh, thirty, thirty, forties might be the. 40s. I thought it. I thought it said nineteen thirty-eight over it, the Coronado. It did say thirty-eight. Yeah, nineteen thirty-eight over the Coronado, yeah. and then we haven't. There was no other time jump. Yeah. So we've gone thirty-six to thirty-five to thirty-eight. Well, what, what, wasn't that book burning that we see later on in the film, wasn't that a huge moment in um, Nazi history, or was that just things that happened multiple times? Yeah, but it the happened, Nazis ran from like 35 until 45. It happened multiple times, yeah. unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. All right. okay, all right. Yeah, they're burning every book except for the book that he hands Adolf Hitler. Now, we'll get into that later. Now, now Steve, Steve is right about the fact that I believe the one that the, are they in Nuremberg? Now I can't remember. Uh, they're in Berlin. They're in Berlin. Yeah. So that that big. No, when they do the book burning. Oh, yeah, that's Berlin. Yeah. Um, I think what that is alluding to was an event that would have happened in 40 or 41. That's when it became yeah, so, noticeable so, to this show. So that may be like, that's probably Hollywood just like, hey, we know about this really big historical event. We're going to make it happen three years earlier than it actually did. Very well could have. What do they call it? Artistic license? Sure. Yeah. Based on a true story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inspired by. Inspired by. The group goes to where Henry disappeared, the Venice Library, which was once a church in ancient Roman times. A stained glass window dating from the sacking of Byzantium gives Indy a clue that the library is the tomb of the night. Indy pries open the floor and finds a network of tunnels containing oil. Exploring the tunnel with Elsa and in the process passing a wall painting of ancient antiquities such as the Ark of the Covenant, why it's there, I don't know. Indy finds an ancient casket and a knight's shield, the second marker. That shield is so cool. And it really is. It's such a cool shield. It's cool. Yeah. And here's the thing. My problem with the scene is not the scene itself. My problem is how it's edited. Because it bothers me when you see characters enter a room and the audience is expected to see only what they see, but they present it as, we're only gonna show you things and we're gonna tell you that the actors only see that. Anybody that walks in a room, they look at the walls, they look at the floor and all that stuff. 
but they never show it to you on the screen. So as the audience member, you're expecting, well, then they can't see the floor either, apparently. Would that, I, I get what you're saying, but would they have been limited? Was that an on-site place or was that a set? Oh no, you mean the X on the floor? No, 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 like what they were shooting in, like with where the bookcases and everything were, if you think shooting rigs and all of that stuff, were they confined to literally only show what they wanted to show oh, because they could not do a wide shot or they could not show more simply because they were constrained either by the set or because they were on location? I think the reason why we get the reveal is for the sake of the reveal. Well, then that's cool. I'm all right with that. See, and for me, I'm like, make it something harder than it was they were standing out the whole time they could have seen that the first thing to do when they start looking is they look know. down I've, I've stood <laughs> close to a lot of stuff and my father has said if you didn't see that snake it would have bit you and there was a snake down at my feet and i didn't notice okay can we talk about the stained glass window then and the obvious numerals that are on there that apparently no one's ever studied okay there's a lot of things that are obvious that people don't necessarily take time to look out hey look there's a three there and a three there hey there's an x and an x okay i mean I'm great just, they match up what what does that mean to me just saying it, there's questions i have as an adult that i didn't ask when i was a child which is that oh. i know how old these these churches are and how analyzed the churches have been if you had a stained glass window with three random ass roman numerals you can be damn sure they would know exactly what those are today uh the book the book stamper <laughs> oh that's so funny still funny right it still makes me i mean it's funny great. when i was younger no i didn't no the, the book stamp, it was funnier when I was younger. Yes. No, it wasn't funny. Oh, sorry, I wrote that wrong. It wasn't as funny when I was younger. It's funnier now as I'm older. That's a kid joke. That's not an adult joke. No, I agree with Steve. I don't think I probably caught it. I didn't probably see the humor in it. Now I find it, I laugh out loud at it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, Elsa's acting is starting to bother me now. Okay. Uh, her line reading feels like it's all coming from the exact same place. Well, that's her tenor the entire time can we also now acknowledge that she's clearly playing a character playing a character okay so but she it, is overacting uh, a bit when she's also out of that character though she's still doing the same thing because she's still she still doesn't want indy to know Indy we, knows. We no, we know she's a nazi indy doesn't know she's a nazi no later when she reveals herself oh yeah, she has the same line reading. Well, the, I think she's probably, I don't think she's a bad actress. Do you want me to just say she's a bad yes. actress? Acknowledge it. Okay. Stop defending everything. <laughs> but she's, got, she's got blue eyes. But she was your number two. Still doesn't mean her eyes aren't blue. <laughs> My eyes are blue. Yeah, I know. But you don't have the long blonde hair. Not anymore. That's true. <laughs> Can we go back to the X on the floor or the lack thereof? Let's see, you just blew over mine. And as you can tell, as I wrote this, I was doing talk to text. I didn't really meant to bring up the Xbox. The Xbox but, um, spot? <laughs> the Xbox I mean, spot. That's awesome. It's, I, I, the, the problem that I have is, yeah, well, we know when he says X marks the spot, you know, that's just an adventure, you know, thing. But when. It is paid off 20 minutes after he says it, though, which is nice. Yeah. When he's actually pounding away at the ground, he pulls away that huge marble piece where the X magically just disappears. Yes, and it I does. never noticed this. <laughs> yes, it does. I never <laughs> noticed this until I just rewatched it. And again, I got my movie planet goggles on <laughs> that I'm older. 
And I had to stop. And I, I didn't rewound it until he just said it. <laughs> now I replayed it in my head. And I'm like, shit, it does disappear. It's gone. Wow, that's some bad editing. It's really, and I was just like, how is it that it's pounding? And then the whole X, and then it's, that's terrible. That's all right. When I was rewatching it, I looked at the pylon that he used to smash it. And then I looked at the thickness of the Marvel, and I was like, bullshit. <laughs> it would have never done it. Yeah, exactly. That's I'm, like, I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> Especially as a guy that just tamped down four tons of rock and dirt. I'm like, bullshit. My tamper's not even going to go through that marble. And it's over 150 pounds. There's no way that little piddly thing is going to go through. It, it would have been dented to shit. I'm like, yeah. And how many times does he slam it? Like four or five times? And all three. of a sudden, that big. He does it three times. Yeah. Oh, gosh. A one, a two, a three. <laughs> three licks to get inside the marble. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Tootsie. Uh, that, that Ark of the Covenant drawing. I mean, okay. It's it it's a member berry. It's there just to be like, hey, remember this movie that we did before? Yeah. I thought I thought it was cool. I didn't notice it until my most recent watching. And there, there's like a line that Indy says about it. I can't remember. Yeah, he's, exactly he, what he, is, he she goes she, she goes, says it's the best MacGuffin of all time. It, I agree. It is. I, I'll, I'll put it in my top five. What's a MacGuffin? It's a. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, and you're going to misuse it later anyway, okay? A MacGuffin is a plot device that is used to propel the plot along. So it's usually it's like, something well, that they're trying to attain that eventually has no significance whatsoever. So like a motor, it makes you go forward. It propels you forward. But that's the key about the MacGuffin is the MacGuffin eventually has no significance whatsoever. Well, you need the keys. Otherwise, the engine won't turn on. Christ almighty. <laughs> so which one do you like? Like snakes, rats, or spiders? Oh, yeah. I did my this is a, Yeah, we... I put well, this. first off, said, snakes, snakes, spiders, or rats. Since since, since I stole oh, your rats. shit, you can steal mine, I guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> rats is definitely mine. Rats I, is yours. Yeah. Um, I have no problem with snakes. I handled snakes as a kid. Um, spiders. <laughs> you see how many spiders I have around my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? I is, have I have one spider, but I don't know where it's at. You suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I I know this. Snakes would be third. Third. But. Oh God. Don't wait. Spiders is number one, but I think when I think of rats, I think of the teeth yeah. and the scratching. Yeah, rats. And I love Ratatouille. Ratatouille is a good movie, but no, rats, no. Yeah. When rats I'm okay with because I think of Splinter. I, I, it's the I tail. love how what you like about rats are fictional things. The Pixar <laughs> drawing and that wonderful little rat that he, taught the Ninja Turtles. He was a little. He, he had TMT. T. T-M-N-T? Yeah, that's that's the stuff. He got oozed. He had the ooze, too. He was bigger. <laughs> now, the water's petroleum, right? It's oil-based. Because he, he goes, petroleum. And that... <laughs> See, Steve knows where I'm going with this. The water's no, petroleum. I'm going to let you read the next part, and then I'm expecting, you know, a little bit of music. I'll play some music for you. Okay. <laughs> However, Marcus is slugged by members of a cult sworn to preventing discovery of the grail. The cult sets fire to the oil in the tunnels, but Indy and Elsa escape through the city sewers. Indy and Elsa are pursued by the cultists on speedboats before Indy dispatches one boat and corners the group's leader, a member of the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword. Descendants of soldiers sworn to protect the grail with their lives. Indy learns from him that his father is a prisoner in the castle Brunwald near the German-Austrian border. Brunwald. Okay, Steve, the floor is yours. Okay, 
so let's go back to your petroleum here. So I don't know why, but I remember watching this scene two years ago, and I and it finally put together that petroleum, gas, water, and all of a sudden you see a massive torch there the entire time. Now, which I. It bothers me because I can't get past that the torch is hovering above this gas. They went from a lighter to a massive torch. They know it's petroleum. I mean, then the guy, but later on, drops a little tiny itty bitty match and the thing goes up in seconds. Just how massive that this massive fireball is going. That reminds me that before that even happens, the torch is dripping fire. <laughs> not igniting if it's not the same damn thing. Then on top of that, when they flip the coffin over, all these rats are going in there. Elsa's looking wet. It's fine. The flames are under the coffin, and it's still not igniting, turning them into colors. I hate this scene now. I hate it. So, I gather you're not a fan of this scene. It's not in my top three. And you know what? I was fine. I mean, it's cool with the lore, but I can't get past it. I can't get past this now. And it's dumb. The fire, I feel the like fire I'm part does bother me, but you're right. The lore behind it, the knight seeing the knight with the shield and all that, that looks cool. But I think there's neat. We're like, how do we get them to have to run out of there? Boom. Yeah. It looks it's, cool. I mean, I didn't even talk about when they when he goes underwater and he's got his eyes open and all that petroleum right. flowing right in his eyes. It's just like, okay. Not only that, I don't when, like having, I don't like having my eyes open in a saltwater pool. Uh, not only that, but when they leave the sewer and they rise up amongst the restauranteurs, imagine how bad they would smell. So, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Here we go. <laughs> if you have oil and water mixed, this is a question. I actually don't know. I'm not a physicist. No. If you have oil and water mixed, we know. At least I, sorry, I'm not going to say I know. I assume the oil stays at the top. Yes. So if he was to dive under, you're still swimming in water. It's just the oil's at the top. And if he smells the petroleum, it could just be a layer of petroleum on the top, which if there is just a layer of petroleum, you're, you're not going to get a whole lot of fumes from that. All right. Because if the oil is binding to the water, there's no place for the fumes to go because it's bound to the water. So really, the oil would only be on the top of the water, which means you could wave fire and all over the place. But if you touch the fire to the oil, then it's going to go because you're burning whatever is on the top layer of the water. Steve, your rebuttal? I, I'm a, I'm asked. I actually don't know. I am. But the flames <laughs> drip down on top of the water. Did, did they? Did they? Did the flames like drip down? Yes, know. it did. It's not like I can't not not see it now. Unless it's just the only way you can get around that is when oil is on water. It doesn't cover everything. You may only have oil in patches. Like think oil, think think oil spills, Steve. <laughs> like like the oil's not going to go everywhere. You may have a patch, an open area patch, and maybe I can probably I can understand that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that. But when it's bubbling, that means it's stirring. Wait, the, I don't remember the bubbling. Round two. Fight. Like, like when 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 Indy first falls in. Okay. Um, and it, it he puts his hand down and it's like bubbling up. 
I don't know where these air bubbles are coming from. Unless that's, that's the, the source. Kind of, unless in that one place where it's bubbling up, that is the source of the oil. And so the oil would go through the water and then sit on the top. And again, like if it if you put that little flame down, it'll burn everything on top, which is exactly what those Grail guys do. He takes that little match and just throws it on top Ex and completely engulfs it. Yeah, so that makes it work as a scene. But it's drip. <laughs> why? Okay. <Fish> him. <laughs> Knowing that, why would you just take this massive fireball and it, like they're slowly being devoured by this water? Because it goes up to her chest because she starts taking it all off. You know, doesn't want everything come there. Because it's getting a little higher up, you know. But they still got this massive torch to it, you know. And it's, but, yeah, no, in that scene where they're going up to the coffin, you literally see, and I'm sorry, I'd be to beat a, you know, broken record, be a broken record here. But it's you see the fire just dripping and dripping and dripping down into the water. And I'm just like, it's sometimes okay. those are just are bigger than the than the match. I mean. But I, 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 I love the fact that you're trying to help me <laughs> rationalize this scene. I just, it, it's so, I, that's I why I was nervous to do this movie. <laughs> I tried. The great Oz has spoken. Okay. I, I, I no love this. Player. I love the speedboat chase. <laughs> I love that it was short. I, I realized as I've gotten older, I don't like chases. Chase is just like, you're going to hate Dial of Destiny. <laughs> Like, just get to the next plot device. All they are is just, like, filler. The like, opening scene to Dial of Destiny is a 20-minute long chase. Yeah, that would drive me nuts. Yeah. That's definitely something as I've gotten older, because I remember thinking chases were cool. Now, if I watch a chase, I'm like, can we just... This is just, like, getting me off of, like, dialogue. I'd rather have dialogue. But don't those boats look fun? Yes. Oh, those are, like, Chris Crafts. Those are some... Those are serious boats. Yeah. And uh, then it gets shoehorned and gets split. I shouldn't say split down into one. Actually, the, the part of the boat chasing I didn't like was the massive propeller that's above the water just running. Like, how deep is that water if this massive propeller is just spinning in the water open like that? Well, I hate the boat just stops. <laughs> As they go to the propeller, it literally just stops to allow more dialogue to happen. Because that thing should have been shredded within, like, a minute. Like, why is it still floating? Why do aliens exist? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Watch what, that. Why, why, does, <laughs> why does he survive a nuclear bomb blast inside of a refrigerator? Why does he survive a bunch of ghosts in Raiders of the Lost Ark? See? We're, we're, going, we're going down a, a, a rabbit hole. <laughs> You're taking me down a path I can't possibly follow, Anakin. Okay. Uh, uh, how does the Brotherhood member know where his father is being held? I thought the Nazis were running Brunvald, and if if he was being held there and they knew it, why wouldn't they try to get to their father? Because he knows things the Nazis would want to know to get their hands on the Grail. Is this a plot hole? I don't know. That was a, that was a lot of thinking. Maybe they do know. Maybe they already tried to get to. Henry Sr. Maybe they failed. They have they know who he is. They know who he is. And they know where he's being held because he's also looking for the Grail and is now captive. Maybe they're on it. Just because we don't see it on screen doesn't mean it happened. Just like the famous line, do you believe in Santa? No. Why not? Well, do you have you seen a million dollars? No. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I like that. Well done. 
Good job, Steve. I can't respond to that. Good job. <laughs> However, <no. laughs> okay, later after drying out, Andy arranges for Marcus to meet Sala to begin finding the grail while he and Elsa go after Henry. He finds that his room and Elsa's have been ransacked by men looking for the grail diary, making him all the more determined to find Henry and also the grail, but not after having sex. <laughs> this is probably one of the most uncomfortable like love scenes yes it yeah it this doesn't belong in the movie needless <laughs> to say i will talk about it later <laughs> i don't understand it it feels forced the willie scott one that repartee felt natural in temple of doom this felt like they were trying to do willie scott again with the arguing back and forth but it was like to what purpose you your your room was just ransacked you need to move no time for love, Dr. Trying. Jones. <laughs> I think she, I, I looked at it as, because it's like, yeah, why did she like close the door? You know, it's just like, okay, well, she's got intentions. I think this is part of her um, undercover spot to stay close to Indiana Jones and build a relationship with him so that he doesn't even think twice, which helps out in the end because when he gives she's capped. Well, yeah. Well, not only that, but he puts the gun down so that he doesn't kill her, even though her dad, his dad's right there, says, oh, she's one of them. He's one of them. Yeah. But she now she's has this relationship with him. Appeal. Yep. Well, she's yeah. got it. Those blue eyes, right? <laughs> I also want to point out, I love how the history is presented in these movies, especially Raiders and Last Crusade, because the exposition is never cut away with goofy moments. Temple of Doom, we talked about Temple, about how they gave all that exposition, but they cut away for the dinner scene every mm -hmm. minute. And people remember the dinner and they forget about all the exposition about why they're there. And that's where that movie failed, but the other two succeeded. That's they give true. you- You pointed that out to me. I remembered how terrible the dinner was and completely forgot that there was dialogue. I thought yeah. it was just the food items. Yeah. Uh, the two fly to the German castle and Indy finds Henry, but both are double crossed by Elsa. And to both men's horror, they find that the string puller in this whole affair is Walter Donovan, who wants the ancient cup to give him immortality. Harrison Ford's Scottish accent. I mean, who did it better, JC? Harrison Ford or you trying to do a Scottish accent yesterday oh, as one of the characters on Dungeons and Dragons? Harrison Ford hands down. <laughs> God, I can't do a Scottish accent. All of my dwarves are Irish. I just also love the fact that he's doing a Scottish accent where Sean Connery is. Yeah. <laughs> now look, I've caught and caught a sniffle. Here to view the tapestries. Apparently that worked. Well, almost worked. We got him in the building. Got him in the building. Now, this is a distraction. People don't know this, but we're 48 minutes into this movie. Sean Connery is just going to enter the film. I wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. By this point, the movie's gone fast, though. Oh, this it's is a booking. very, it, it's, it's two hours, but this is not a movie that feels like two hours. And uh, also, that chase scene that we were talking about earlier with the boats, that was only three minutes long. I know. I like that. That's, that's one of the big things I like about this whole movie. It, it cooks. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm going to lean into Josh's hatred of the pod race, but that was 10 minutes. I like the pod race. I like the pod race. It was race. my favorite. It was too long, but I like the pod race. You didn't need three I feel laps. the pod race. You didn't need three the, laps. The pod race tells a story. It Thank does. Thank you. Yes. The pod race is very important. You yeah. need the pod race. Maybe it's just edited poorly. You could probably shave about three minutes off of that thing. Probably. Yeah. If it was three minutes long, you said it's 10 minutes. If you shave seven off, it's perfect. But then you don't get like Anakin fixing his own thing all on the right, fly and all that. Four minutes. <laughs> uh, 
This Not is, seven minutes. This is another term I, I, I got from another property, how I met your mother, revertigo. Revertigo is when you revert back to you being a teenager when you're in oh the presence God, of your parents. I so, I so do that. I do that all the time. Like when he stands Sorry, up and he goes, this. yes, sir. I'm like, oh my God, he's got revertigo. So do I, 100% <laughs> I have it too. The wife will always point out to me, she's like, you're, you're acting like that because your dad's home. I'm like, yes, I don't, I don't like it. But it's, it's like part of my DNA at this point. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> my mom yeah, and it's I- It's the hardwiring. Yeah, my mom and I have a deal where when we meet up for lunches and stuff like that, it's no, not going any longer than three hours. Because otherwise I turn into 13 year old Joe and she turns into mom. And we can't have that. Oh, I want to. I want to go to that lunch. I was going to say, I want to know thirteen-year-old Joe. <laughs> you don't want to know thirteen-year-old Joe. Um, <laughs> I put it here. Uh, there's so much pride in Henry's voice when he sees Junior and he's like, "Oh, look, you know, we're sharing this moment together." And but it's all based on his own obsession, not with, not in his actual son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I put it here. What this movie does well, it keeps Indy as the hero. And the people around Indy are like library books of knowledge he learns from. The relationship of son to father is tough because you still have that I know better attitude, and yet your father still has some tricks of his own that he can get you out of the situation. Yep. Indy never feels put down to elevate Henry Jones Sr. They're just at different points in life. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And when we do Dial of Destiny, I'll explain why this movie fails, whereas Crusade succeeds. Yeah. You can't put down I, I a character love, in order to elevate another. Yeah. I like the part where he smashes the vase and then he's so distraught and Indiana <laughs> thinks it's about him. <laughs> and he's actually, it's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the vase the whole yeah. time. It's just like, it's, it, it's like he never picked up, you know, Indiana's fine. Oh, it's like, I'm finally being recognized. Oh, wait, he's just talking about the vase. Never mind. Things are the way they are. Yes. <laughs> That's such a good scene. Uh, he also starts calling him, this is the first time we hear him being called Junior. I love his reaction. Do not call me Junior. Grabs like machine with, gun. With a machine gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, what? what kid that was ever like mad at their parents didn't want to be like, you'll listen to me now. <laughs> yeah, and then his dad's reaction is like, look what you did. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's just like, it doesn't even face it. It's like, God. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the Elsa twist? Yeah, I sure didn't see this coming a mile away. <laughs> I, I remember watching it. I did not see it coming. I did not see it coming at all. And when it's revealed, even though I knew it was coming, when it's revealed, I'm like 17-year-old JC. I'm like, oh, you, yeah, you, and I like instantly go immature. <laughs> now I have to say, I did have an unfair advantage watching this in that I'd read the novelization ahead of time. So I knew she was a Nazi. Well, that's just cheating. However, nowhere in the novelization does explain that she has a very heavy accent. Oh. Yeah, but when you watch this, I almost wonder like, could they have done it without the accent to even throw you off more? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay, the grin that Connery gives after saying, she talks in her sleep. <laughs> priceless so it's watching the scene now older yeah. i finally get it like when you're younger i i just just blew over it i never thought it they make an emphasis on it because there's that awkward pause oh, yeah. between oh, the yeah. two and they're kind of looking it's like you kind of see henry senior just kind of go mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> yep 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 and, and i was i was laughing i was laughing 
I was laughing so loud in my room. I thought I was going to wake up the kids. I <laughs> it was like, like Jones Sr. banged Elsa before Indy did. There you go. I almost feel like that smile with Sean Connery and not Henry Jones. <laughs> Just kind of like, it's me, guys. Yeah. It's Bond. <laughs> the old man still has charm. Yes, he does. Um, I also like the fact that he's given specific pages to Marcus Brody. Yeah. So he's planting the idea that Marcus has a purpose. Yep. But then they undercut him by being a complete dolt. He got lost in his own museum. Yeah, I don't think Marcus comes off as the dolt that you think he is. Well, I look at him and everything that they say about him is negative. Or is it the best slow play ever? Because they couldn't have succeeded without him. Explain. Well, he's the one that sets everything up by the time they all get to pet. I'm going to call it Petra because I don't remember what yeah. it's called in the movie. Like that's all put together because of Marcus Brody. Yeah. Indiana Jones does say to Indy when they're in this house and the whole place is in disarray, he goes, tell Donovan, I'll take that ticket to Venice. And Marcus sets up everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. So this whole time, maybe it was the biggest slow play ever. I don't know. That's like saying that Return of the Jedi's Jabba plan was the plan. It's a pretty shitty plan. <laughs> At the time, you go with what you got. <laughs> I believe it was the plan. It's the Luke was just a backup plan. Okay. <laughs> Luke should have been the plan. That it's. It, it <laughs> Don't bring in the cavalry until you need it. <laughs> okay. It's good. Uh, Aren't you happy to have us back? Yes. <laughs> After seeing Dial of Destiny, it's good to see Sala still doing well for himself in Cairo. What happens to Sala and Dial of Destiny? Focus, Sarah. Focus, Sarah. They explain that... Sala was brought to America with his family, and now Sala's a taxi driver. Oh, that's such a cop out. That's I hate that. That's what they've done. They tear down the old because they think that's how you introduce the new at Disney. He's a ta- they gave him a taxi. Isn't that a little stereotypical? Yep. Yep. Yeah, but it's don't worry. Disney's wow. on the right side of history, so they won't get blamed. Indy and Henry are bound in the castle, but Indy manages to break out in the process, setting off a fire. <laughs> I love this scene so much. He didn't set the fire. Henry did. <laughs> what well, says? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fact that, first of all, they could have gotten those ropes off real easy. Yeah. Well, their hands were tied. Well, yeah, I guess they could have done their that. Hands their hands were not were tied. Hard. They were just behind their backs because at one point, oh, no, they were tied. You're right. But even then, no, you couldn't get them off, could you? Well, you could shimmy. I don't know. Now I have to go back and look at the ropes. Yeah. I really pay that close attention to the ropes. Seems really no, you, if your hands are tied, you could still raise your arms up. Yeah, but if they were behind your back, you couldn't. No, I don't think they were because Indiana was kind of going like this because his head was down trying to get it off. Yeah. And I think what uh, Senior did, Henry Senior, he took his arms to both together back this, then he burns his hand, and that's why he throws the lighter. That's right. Yeah, his lucky charm. He's got a little shamrock on it. Yeah. Uh, The music, when Henry lights the floor on fire, (laughs) 
it's so good. It's like Williams is killing the score. Yep. It's almost like he's like, look, I didn't win for the first one. I didn't win for the second one. I better come with the third one. And he came all over the place. White sheets everywhere. It's the body music. White sheets of music, people. Get your heads out of the gutter. Uh, we also get Elsa talking to Indy and Henry's responding. Let it go. You're going to do this every time I say Elsa, aren't you? <laughs> it was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, also, Henry has all the great lines in this movie. He's like the short round of this. As it should be, because he's playing a supporting character, but it's Sean Connery. Yeah. 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 It's it, like you said, Indy is clearly the hero, but... Connery has some great one-liners. You need a great supporting character in the indie movies to make it work. Yep. Yeah. yeah. When it says Germany has declared war on the Joneses boys, is that when the Germany declared war on America? I'm assuming that's what that was. We hadn't entered the war yet. No, we don't enter the war until 43. Yeah. So they're what just, was that line for? They're just saying, it, well, that's what he says in the car when he gets the telegram is saying yeah. to take care of the American conspirators. Oh, see, I took it as he got a telegram saying that, hey, I guess Germany and the you know, United States are going to war now. No, I don't think... That's part of the history lore. <laughs> I don't think they would have written in that World War II started because of Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's, that's him. <laughs> no. That, uh. that America entered because of Indiana Jones. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all. They got a telegram saying, hey, Germany's and U.S. are going to war, but in the whole natural scheme of things, the Germany are going to war with the Joneses. I see boys, what he's they're, saying. They're he's the saying, Americans. He's saying it's cool that that would have been put dropped in if it's what was happening historically as well. Okay. That's what he said. All right. Listen, if you need more ice, there's more ice in the fridge. No, this is working very nicely. Okay. Uh <laughs> He and Henry commandeer a Nazi motorcycle and escape pursuing German soldiers. But Henry stops Indy's trek of escape to make him go back to Berlin, where Donovan and Elsa have taken his diary for Hitler. Let when it go. Let it go. Got the delay. When Indy demands to know why the diary is so important, Henry explains that it details traps that protect the Grail and keys to defeating them. Indy also confronts his father about his obsession with the Grail and receives a slap from his father when he blasphemes. I mean... What happened anytime I know when I talk back to my dad, I even though I felt like I was in the right, when I talk back, yeah. So that scene felt so real. I'm like, see, this is why we never talked about our issues as kids, because if we ever stood up or if we ever tried to speak for ourselves, cuff whack right across the face. How dare you question me? It's How a, dare you talk back against me? It's and also it's like, the revertigo of him too, is that he's stunned. He's like, he doesn't know what to do. Normally he'd be punching back, but yeah. Shit, what do I do? Yeah, my dad just hit me. Oh, I can't hit my dad back, motherfucker. No, yeah, I know that if, if my dad is ever having a bad day and I'm home visiting, he, yeah, I do the same thing. I just get quiet and I just don't <laughs> really do anything. And I'm like, crap, dad's having a bad day. I'm just going to, like, not be here right now. Or <laughs> Hide so, in the corner. <laughs> uh, the signpost conversation is one of my favorite scenes of this movie. Because it's the first real conversation these two men have about their history. Yeah. And it's cut short by Henry, who knows he screwed up, but is too proud to say anything. Yep. Uh, okay. Rank the on-screen, on-screen chemistry. We got Indy and Marion, Indy in short round, and Indy and Henry. 
I actually thought you had it right, but I I had it reversed. I think it's Indy Henry, Short Round, then Marion. Oh, I just put them in that order because that was the order of their movies. No, yeah. I would say three, two, one. I have Indy, Indian Short Round. I like because short, he's a kid, and the back and forth is just awesome. And it's he's working with a kid. Yeah. Uh, Indy and then Henry because that's just two amazing actors. And then I got Indy and Marion third. Okay. And I mean, but that's like A's, A pluses, and A minuses. I mean, they're all great. Yeah, they are. So. But it is definitely Indy Henry, Indy Short Round, Indy Marion. Yeah. I would almost say, I mean, I put Marion third, but Short Round and Henry, I could go with either one. That's true. Uh, but if I have to put one over the other, I almost want to give it to Short Round just because he's largely forgotten as a character in this entire series. And he was so important in Temple of Doom. To that movie working he was he's the he only was. he's the only redeeming quality in that movie yeah uh <laughs> you say stand here i stand here <laughs> i mean i just had something that you know i agree with the that the sign post conversation is awesome but up until that it's like as soon as they from the castle all the way to there it's just action 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 and it's one thing after another and it flows and i think yeah. i said this yesterday to you is if you're a person with adhd or something like that this is perfect <laughs> for you because it's just it goes really quick and it just flows and i think the whole motorcycle thing it's much better than the car car chase scene in raiders absolutely i yep. agree uh, Indy and his father trek to Berlin, find Elsa standing with Hitler and his highest staff at a Nazi book party book burning. Indy retrieves the diary, in the process, tempted to strangle her. During his departure from the rally, Indy comes face to face with Hitler himself, who adds a signature to the book. Is this one of the most famous scenes in the series? Unfortunately, yeah. I think it is. Like, this is like, we've always known him to fight Nazis. Now he's face to face with the head. Yep. One of the most powerful men at the time. Yep. had the book in his hand yes only to think that a soldier wanted his autograph <laughs> and then he hands it right back if only he had just paid a little closer attention yeah think of how di different it would have worked out think how little attention hitler paid to anything though exactly <laughs> now that <laughs> I mean, it's historically it, accurate <laughs> yeah to be fair though the book he's get they're at a book burning if he was handed a book when he was just thrown into the fire i don't know it was a smaller book. It was like, an, well, he had a bunch of kids handing like yeah, paper and yeah, other maybe like little other little books too. He had been in a line signing things. Okay, I must have missed that, but thanks yeah, for yeah, he was yeah, in okay. a line signing things. Okay, Andy and his father go to the Berlin Flughafen to escape. Andy books tickets aboard a dirigible. How do you say that? Dirigible. Thank you. Uh, it's a hot air. It's a blimp. It's a blimp. Yes. Zeppelin. It's a Zeppelin where no one notices the Nazi symbols all over the damn thing. Well, <laughs> at the time, I've it was a political a, party. I've been on a blimp before. When I used to live in California, my dad got tickets. actually went on the Goodyear blimp. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how my dad pulled to some strings. He just took a little ride in the Goodyear blimp. It's It was definitely really cool. Probably with his hands. If he's pulling the strings, maybe with his toes, but I would have used my hands, fingers. Definitely hands. He's a mechanical engineer. All hands there on. There you go. I also love the conversation between Indy and his dad on the on the. On the it's blimp. a great conversation. It's super realistic how they're both talking to each other, but talking past each other. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it starts off with Indy talking about Elsa first and how, like, you know, <laughs> you were there first. And he goes, and Sean Connery says, ship's passing the night. 
Um, but I also love, I mean, this is so such a parental moment where the dad says, okay, you want to talk? Okay, let's close the book. Let's talk. What do you want to talk about? And the kid's like, I don't know. But that's also such a play that like parents who have not been there use because they'll yes. use that in that moment. And it's such a jaw dropping thing that nobody can in that moment. But like later on, like, let's talk about how you went there for baseball. And like, there's a, a bunch of shit to talk about. Yeah. But because you forced me to what is it? Revertify? Revertigo. Because I revertigoed <laughs> when you yell and snap, all of a sudden, nope, I can't think of anything. So the movie kind of plays that off as comical. But yeah. the scary thing is, is like, that's actually kind of traumatizing because it's exactly what abusive parents did. And I don't mean abusive like hitting. I mean, no. emotional abuse. Negligent. Negligent parents. Yeah. They're going to like be sort of like, fine, I'm here now. Tell me what you needed to tell me all those times. And it's like, well, you're not going to listen. So why am I going do that we're also added a sprinkle of information at the signpost earlier about his mother oh yeah i forgot about that and that he says mom never understood either and he goes oh yes she did all too well and then he mentions that she passed away from disease i think i don't remember yeah, all like he goes all i could do was mourn her yes like, like she didn't leave him she died early yeah and i can only imagine because when you see him as river phoenix you're assuming mom's not there. Yeah. So this was really young, and mm -hmm. maybe this is what happened with Sean Connery's character, Henry, was that he dived into the grail lore as a way to d deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And so when you get that spring of information, you're kind of like, okay, he's not bad, he's made bad choices. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of parents don't, I don't think any, well, there are some people that choose to be bad parents, but like, I'll use my father. I don't think he chose to be bad, but no. has, did he do things that screwed me up? Yes. Yeah. But he's still my dad. I still love him, but it doesn't make my father a horrible person. It just means, like Joe said, my dad at times made bad choices. Exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the nice thing about being dads is that but the thing now is, it's your turn to screw him up. But the thing is, is looking back, would you necessarily have made different choices? Because sometimes you do in the moment. I liked, I would like to think both my father and me and everybody, I like to think that in the moment when we make the choice, we are making what we think is the best choice. It's all about context. Yeah. Yeah. All about the long game. Yep. You're making a Marcus Brody thing right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> However... They are forced to leave the blimp using the search plane attached underneath. They are chased by Luftwaffe fighters and are forced to land when Indy's father shoots the tail off of their own plane with its machine gun. It's and so this is great. my favorite moment of the movie. Son, I think they got us. <laughs> they got us. <laughs> I mean, he does apologize. He goes, son, I'm sorry. They, they got, got us. us. <laughs> he doesn't apologize that he screwed up. <laughs> like, I never saw Connery as a comedic actor until I saw him in this movie. Yeah. He is funny. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas, he must have been pissing his pants with excitement with this scene because, yeah. you know, he did the X-Wings and TIE Fighters based off of old World War One and World War Two shorts. Yeah. That's all this is. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Spielberg's like, L let me show you how it's done. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, because the X-Wings and TIE Fighters are awesome. Uh, they steal a car and escape one plane that crashes into a tunnel. 
but a second one drops a bomb that destroys their car. Huntley, suddenly, Henry suddenly remembers my Charlemagne that drives him to send seagulls flying into the path of the second fighter, which flies into the swarm and crashes. Steve? No pilot would chase a car into a tunnel. <laughs> I mean, when, when I watch that scene, it's like that he makes a deliberate turn to follow this car and else all of a sudden, oh, there's a tunnel there. You didn't see the mountain you were about to turn into? <laughs> hell did you think was going to be over there you know steve you've given a lot of rants for this movie i'm looking forward to seeing what your grade is it's gonna be great <laughs> uh if the nazis aim was this bad with their guns there's no way they would have conquered most of europe to be fair i don't think these are military nazis these are the science nazis it's why they were so bad in marvel and all the other places science division nazis horrible shots frontline tank division nazis great fair enough maybe this this is lucas's input i mean he had bad shooters and stormtroopers bad nazi shooters you know yeah well we could talk about that another time <laughs> the I, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. No, because Lucas shut up, Steve. Luke, <laughs> Lucas based the Nazi or not? Lucas based the stormtroopers off of the Viet Cong. It wasn't from the Nazis. I thought it was the Nazis. I've, I've already moved on. No, the stormtroopers. Actually, the stormtroopers were the American forces. The rebels were the Viet Cong. Well, that makes sense. Yes, that's what he was basing it off of. He was basing it off of us, not the Nazis. I'm sorry, Henry Jones doing the umbrella thing with the birds was fantastic. I loved it. Realistic? Probably not at all. But such good cinema. It's such a good scene. That needs to be a ringtone for a phone. That's oh, true. it's it's smart. It's like all those birds that are just sitting there, that plane's going to come up. Oh, that's totally going to mess up that plane. Oh, For sure. Yeah. It still messes up planes. Birds flying into engines all the time. Oh, yeah. Don't look at me. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, and the musical cue. When Henry receives recites Charlemagne is perfection. Uh, and what I love is that it shows because the look Indy gives back, which is that oh, the old man still has some tricks. Like he's starting to see himself in his old man now. Ain't which, that terrifying when you do see yourself in your in your parents? Well, it's out of respect though. Oh yeah, it's not looking at the bad things. Looking at the it's good. The good thing. Shit. Yeah. That, oh. that, that's a smart guy. What, Sure. JC? That's, that's, that's what I <laughs> Lay meant. on my couch. That's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Yes, of course. Reaching the desert area of Jordan, Indy and Henry rendezvous with Indy's pal Sala, where they learn that Marcus, whom Indy has given a map from the diary leading them to the Grail itself, was captured by Nazi agents and taken to Donovan. Um, there's a scene that happens in between this, though, which is Donovan and some of the Nazis uh, organizing a convoy with the king of Jordan. Yes. And I never understood what the point of the scene was until geography later. Hey, we want to cross into your borders and we want claim to this because otherwise if the Nazis find it, the king of Jordan would claim ownership because of uh, laws. But now if they find something, they already paid for it. Yeah. It's also how Donovan ne is how networked he is in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, where he gets the army. Because when you see all the tanks show up, you're like, how on earth did this collector get an army? And then that the protectors of the grail are everywhere because you see Camille amongst the group kind of standing there like, oh shit, yeah. we're paying attention to this also. Explains also yeah. the ambush that happens later on. Yep. Yeah, I just can't believe the king sold the grail 
for a car. I mean, Donovan even said that the grail was in his... Phantom 2. He was there, <laughs> and he sold it for a car. That Yeah, that whole, like, they're trying to play, There's like, no the king of Jordan off as dumb and all of this. Like, that's a little bit, like, Middle Easterners don't understand the importance of what's buried in their own desert type of thing. There is a little bit of that going on. I suppose you can interpret it that way. Which is a very Western thing. You could interpret it that way, I suppose. Um <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to, but you, can, you there's an argument for it. Tracking down, Don, <laughs> tracking down Donovan's exploration group. I'm not going to argue today. Indy, Henry, and Solace is escorted by a company of Nazi troopers with a World War One vintage tank. Damn, a steel beast. Mm -hmm. When desert guerrillas led by the group that attacked Indy and Venice ambushed the convoy, Henry uses the cover to try and rescue Marcus, but both are seized by the Nazis. Now we have a three-ray race. A three-ray race? I heard it, and I knew I was going to take a pick. Ray-ray-ray. We get the Nazis, the girl protectors, and the Joneses. We get the Wilhelm scream. Is Ray the best Skywalker? Fuck you. She's the, how about this? Palpatine. She's the second best Palpatine. <laughs> so we'll see where, what the new movie does. Where's this three-way race? <laughs> A three-way race. <laughs> Henry and Marcus are such nerds. I love the scenes of the two of them. When they're back in the tank, it's so good. And then the, Genius of the Restoration. <laughs> and then the... God, you're right. The Nazi colonel is a dick just for the sake of being a dick. Absolutely. He's the, it sounds awful to say this, he's the most dickish of the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a great casting. I thought he was, he definitely portrays a Nazi general to his, like he takes his glove off and then just like slapping him in the face. Why? Yeah. Why are you here? Why? <laughs> yeah. No, it was cool. Uh, yeah, so, so hold on. So Henry and Marcus, we know that they know each other. Do they, is this like something from like their old fraternity days or something? Must be, like they must be old school friends. Which, what does that say? About how old Marcus is. About how old Marcus is. And also that Indy has a better relationship with his dad's best friend than he does with his dad because clearly he must have spent more time with dad's best friend than he ever did with dad. That's good. I like that. Do you get all that, Steve? No, sorry. I got the spider. <laughs> so I saw him and I was like, oh, I'm going to take care of this. Sorry. Indy pursues the tank and a prolonged fight ensues where Marcus and Henry attack the soldiers inside and by a mixture of clumsiness in force succeed in killing them. Then use the tank to blast the convoy. Indy rescues the two of them, but the tank drives off a sheer cliff. Indy barely escaping. Uh, <laughs> there's a great little thing here where after... Uh, they destroy the truck, the, the car at the uh, beginning of the scene. Salah says, that was my brother-in-law's. And when he goes to grab the camels, he no goes, camels. it's compensation for my brother-in-law's car. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad they didn't let that go because he's like, no camels. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they emphasized it with uh, Indiana saying that and all of a sudden they bring it back. But it's like at the same time, did I need to know? It's a cute little thing. Yeah, it was Here's a the thing. nice little scene. It's an aside because, once again, Indy's asking people to do stuff around him. That's not going to go as planned. It's not and, it's but. Yeah. Uh, okay, the tank going over the cliff is vintage Indiana Jones. Yeah. it really. You have to have this in one of the movies. Uh, 
I didn't think it looked that great by today's standards, but at the time? In 1989, it probably looked fantastic. Right, but when the tank hits the ground and you see the rubbery mannequin fly off, <laughs> you're like, ooh. Yeah. Thing, well, yeah, it's it, things it was you don't a great notice. use of miniatures. Yeah. Uh, I do like the look of the face when the guy's flying down and goes, ah! <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> that is burned into my brain. <laughs> That is another nightmarish thing that I can't escape from this guy. Don't ever watch Thelma and Louise. <laughs> never, Actually, never, ever watch Thelma and Louise. Avoid the last 10 minutes. At least the last scene, yeah. <laughs> that hug by Henry to Indy when he realizes his son's alive. But I lost you, boy. Oh, my God. I didn't realize how that was going to hit me when I watched this. And when you watch it now, older now, you know, and we see, that's the first time Sean Connery, Henry, is showing that emotion for his son and not the grail. It's all Indy at this point. And the look on Indy's face, he's just dragged through hell. He gives that kind of like, I'm a beat to shit smile, like, oh, finally, this feels nice and warm. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. Then he throws us under the side and goes, well, let's go, guys. <laughs> Roll. Yep. How you feeling there, buddy? Yep. I, I got well, you there, just, didn't I? Oh, no. Just the scene gets you? No. Come on. It doesn't. You lie. No. You don't like this? It's not that I don't like it. It's just like, I don't know. Too little, it's too the late. Most heart, it's the most too heart, little, other than too the, late. Too little, too late. Steve is right. It is the most heartwarming part in the entire movie. Yes, it is. But... Uh, maybe too little too late is harsh. Maybe that's harsh. Because at least late is better than never. <laughs> but it is definitely late. I mean, you could take the, the look on Indiana's face when he finally gets that hug. He just goes, you too, sir. You know, he finally is yes. like, this is what I've been begging for this entire time. And the, the, that's not even the part that steals the scene. It's Marcus trying to figure out what the hell happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, you were there. And it's like, now you're here. It's like, huh? <laughs> because we have to make Marcus look clueless again. No, he's not yes. looking clueless. He is analytically going through it. He's a visual learner. He is clearly developing his spatial awareness. George Lucas <laughs> knows how to write fathers and sons. He understands the dynamic. He does. Yes. Yeah. That's the whole Skywalker uh, saga, he, he, one he, through six. He gets, makes you want to know what happened with his dad. <laughs> well, I have the book. You can read about it. How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. I have that book. It doesn't, he doesn't talk about his dad much. There you go. Well, oh, that's the point. His yeah. dad was largely absent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he, it's one of those things where, like, you... Like, you can tell he's tried to correct the wrongs his own father had with his son, Jet. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, the four men soon tracked down Donovan's remaining group at the temple carved in a cliff, Petra, in which the path to the grail. The traps within have already killed several of Donovan's group, and when Indy and his pals are seized, Donovan sees Indy as his chance. To force Indy to find the grail, Donovan shoots Henry, leaving the healing power of the grail as the only chance to save Henry's life, if in fact this is real. Indy, <laughs> Indy thus enters the dangerous pathway, deducing how to avoid its traps and finding the chamber of the grail. Um, 
Dude, when I'm when uh, granted that's not a thing anymore because now we watch everything streaming. But back when TV scrolling was a thing, mm-hmm. dude, I would love it if I saw that any part of like the there in the the cavern for the Grail was on. I watched that to the end. This is my favorite part of the whole movie. The minute they walk into Petra to the end is just captivating. It is the most accurate. It is yeah. so good. It is my favorite part of the whole movie. Is the end, Steve. I'm just uh, I'm I'm exactly there with you I'm taking every single thing in I'm loving every part of this movie at this moment and like I'm sitting as I was watching this last time I'm sitting in bed and I was just like I it's almost like I stepped out of myself for a second and saw (laughs) myself and I was just like completely involved in everything and anything you said what's on screen i'm trying to look at everything and i'm just i'm fully engaged and yeah. there's nothing else I it, do, do. it I, doesn't I, matter I how many you. times because i know i've seen that section just on tv probably a hundred times and i'm not even being facetious because it's been on tv a bunch yeah but still like even rewatching it last night i'm like steve is 100 there's something the minute they go through those doors his dad is shot it's like all right Game's on now. Let's fucking go. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is what we came for. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, and this is also cool because this is the culmination of the belief idea of Indy, which is that in Temple of Doom, you know, he's fortune and glory. And then he kind of starts to see and understand the magic behind certain artifacts and, and how people hold them dear to their, uh, their uh, uh, souls. And then in the second movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, he still is a little leery about it because, you know, his dad's upbringing with him and yeah. how he dived into Catholicism and the Judeo-Christian ideas. And so he's kind of like, yeah, it's the Ark, but come on, is it really the Ark? And then he finds out, fuck, this is really the fucking Ark, yeah. you know? And then this movie, it's like, if you don't believe after this, then you're just being stubborn. Yeah. And that's why I kind of like this being a trilogy because by the end of this, it's almost like he's finally had his visual proof now because that's what he needed. Yeah. And he's there now. Yep. Okay, the traps. The first one is always the one that bothers me the most because bear with me here. Bear- You're going to criticize the last 15 minutes of this movie. Just bear with me here. The first trap is the penitent man will pass. Yes. You got to bow. Yeah. But you have to roll also. That's left out of that. <laughs> he has to kneel and then he has to roll out of the way of the other saw coming by. So I think what, the penitent man would have actually done isn't just kneel. I think the reason he needs to roll is what Indy really realizes at the end was, oh, I should have supplicated myself, which is going completely flat, because if he would have laid flat, even that bottom blade would have gone over his head. No, there's one going sideways. The sideways one comes out, which is what you duck, and then there's the... Okay, maybe, okay. There's two saws that are perpendicular to each other. There's yeah. one going That's flat why across this way. There's one yeah. going flat across this way. Okay, and that's the one where he's got to kneel below, but then there's another saw going this way across yeah. the way. Oh, I had it backwards. I had this one going yeah. and then the lower one. So and when this... he ducks and he, he jumps out of the way, this saw barely, like he leaps over it to get there. Oh, well, then I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's the only, and I look, I get that's a nitpick. I, I, I do. I understand it. Uh, but I also, come on, it looks a little cartoony, doesn't it? It's 1989. Well, the, yeah, the saws look terrible. Yeah, the saws look cartoony because they are cartoony. I could see. I that's what I was wondering about. I'm not, I'm yeah, not they're drawn. They're I, clearly hand drawn or like drawn cello, whatever. Well, that's the thing is when you look at them when they're still, they look real. 
it's probably too cut. Yes, when they're steel, they're an actual prop. When they're moving, they're uh, animated. Okay. They have to be animated. I wasn't sure if that was just art no, on the practical has, effects or not. That has it to looks be animated. Like it looks like something out of Roger Rabbit. It does, yes. He's exactly right. It looks just like yeah. something out of Roger Rabbit. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure what I was seeing. So, okay. Uh, the second trap is the word of God. The name is Jehovah. What in, in Latin? Jehovah. You Jehovah spelt it Jehovah begins with an I. <laughs> I love it. He goes, J. <laughs> and it's the it goes straight down. And all of a sudden, the brother going, is this the first person ever to touch these stones because they would all be gone. Well, what I love is that this scene has set me up for every trap movie ever because every single time <laughs> in a movie that there's like the step and fall away, I'm like thinking, all right, what do I got to spell? Not what it seems. In video yeah. games, what do I got to spell? Like, because they've done this since. So like, because of Last Crusade, yep. I'm better at video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the knight got it perfect on the first time. And I'm sure you know, finding the actual area is just tough on its own. Of course, there's only one person to ever make it through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe it. There were three. One stayed behind. The other two left. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then the third the, the third one is the path of God. The path of God. Yes. Uh, only a leap from the lion's head will he prove his worth. And this is one where I'm, I, I sit there saying, this is a really cool visual where he looks across, he takes the breath and he jumps across. I just wish that there, you didn't see the outline of the bridge below it. Cause then it kind of takes away from the magic of the moment. But you only see it from the other side. When you look from the initial side, you don't even see the edges the way it's edited. When you come back and he throws the sand, then you can see the edges. Well, it's also the only time that they cut below to shoot upwards. That's true. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I, and also when he starts walking on it, he's projected onto that scene. And I almost like, like I, I wish that you could have done more something practical there where he's actually walking on something. Uh, but I thought it looked good. Yeah, it, Especially I, it, it did look good. I think I, I think I know what you mean if yeah. they don't show that because then it takes away that it was, that it's obviously a leap of faith. And it's not a leap of faith. It's actually just really there. You just have to have, that's the practical part. So if they didn't show that, it would be more of a leap of faith. Yeah. I, that, that, that's the part I agree with you on. Yeah. And again, I, I understand. That's just like, you know, snip, snip, snip. But it is stylistically something that- I already I've, got snipped. I think you both have been snipped. That is, uh, I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, okay, he succeeds in reaching the Grail Chamber where one of the original Knight Brothers still lives and must choose the correct Grail from many false ones. 700 years old, this guy looks great. He does. This is where the nightmares begin. <laughs> 700 so years. Much. You're making him relive his trauma. It's Boo! Boo! Surprised <laughs> you didn't hit that button yet. I don't have a cue. 700 years and not a soul has come through. Yes. All of a sudden there's three people within minutes. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the night just has to be elated. There's human, human I gonna, contact I now. Agree. I also thought this as a kid, I'm like, wow, this night just is gonna have a party. He's gonna be thrilled. Yeah, it's Indy, Elsa, and Donovan, right? And then more come, correct. like there's, more a couple, come. there's a couple soldiers and stuff after, cause even, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, but also I love the fact that he's so old that he can't defend it anymore. He just lifts his sword up and just falls backwards. Yeah. And you're like, that's, that's all be a the heavy energy sword. he's got. Yeah. Like he saved that energy for years. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's all swept out and he missed. Uh, however, Donovan and Elsa enter before he can, and Elsa chooses a cup for Donovan. She knows it is an incorrect choice, and Donovan ultimately ages to death for drinking from the wrong grail. Andy then picks the true grail, drinks from it, proving to be the true one, and is warned by the knight that the grail cannot be taken beyond the great seal, that the grail cannot be taken beyond the great seal, that the grail cannot be taken beyond the great seal in the outer chamber, thus forcing those who wish to use immortality provided by it to remain in the temple. Indiana takes the grail and uses it to heal Henry's wound. Steve? Does she know Does she know that that's the incorrect grail? She gives, when, when Donovan's walking up with the uh, chalice, she gives a look to Indy like, yeah. I also, I didn't notice that as a kid. I noticed it last night. I looked for it this time when I saw your notes and I was like, does she know? And yeah. I, cause I think she does know. It's a very subtle glance, but you're right. I think she knows. Um, Steve, your thoughts on Donovan drinking from the gray elgo. <laughs> this is this is just a nightmare. That's all this is. I mean, now it's the CGI's. Well, obviously it's age, but seeing this as as a kid, this was horror. But I loved watching this movie. Every time the scene would come on, I like as soon as he drank from that cup and then he gave out that achiness sound, I had to turn my my head away and cover my ears. I there is no way I can watch it because the one time I did. Again, that image was burned as I'm laying in bed, looking up at my ceiling, and I close my eyes to try not to see it, but it's still there. I'd be like, I, I couldn't watch that scene as a kid. Funny thing is, that scene is not CGI. That's stop motion. Oh, it's... Yeah, that's all. And the reason why they used stop motion on that is because of that's what they did in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the three guys at the end. Okay. Yeah, they were like, let's yeah, that's... replicate that. And you're right, it is creepy when his skin starts yeah. to deflate into his head, his eyes go out and then out. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> Another reason why I think this is a trilogy, and it was supposed to end here. Indy has chosen the right cup, and he drinks from it. Then he heals his dad's wound and allows him to drink from it. They should both be immortal at this point. Mm-hmm. The cup can't pass the seal because that's the price of immortality is that you can't take it. You cannot take the cup with you. So long as the grail doesn't pass, then the immortality still is intact. That's how I, I always. That's how I interpreted it because I always well, saw them running off to the sunset. And the cup falls down the crack. So are they? But his dad died. And that's my problem with it because when I look at Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that's where they say that Henry has passed away, and I'm like, yeah. well, hold on. If the intention at the end was that they ride off in the sunset and they're at their happily, happily ever after moment, which means that they're immortal, they'll live forever in our lives as these two characters. And then in Kingdom, you undercut it with, by the way, that cup was, eh, just kidding. It'll heal his bullet wound, but he's not gonna be immortal. Or it fell past the seal. Like as it fell down the crack, it kept going and eventually landed somewhere past the seal. But now we're assuming things that are never explained. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Steve, See, your I, I I always took this as, you know, as it is the boundary and the price for immortality. That's what the seal is. Like you had to stay behind that with like the the cup and yourself had to say as yeah. soon as you cross that seal, all that now goes away and you are bound to that area, which is I guess in a sense of the way of the cup defending itself. I don't know which is why I think the knight stayed there. He also stayed there so that he could, you know, I, I'm obviously 
why the reason why the knight stayed there because he had to stay there till his duties were relieved yes but that's what i took from this scene is that if you wanted the price if you wanted to be immortal you had to stay behind the seal not the necessarily cup. the cup not necessarily with the cup yeah that makes sense i like the idea of the fact that and i know they weren't thinking of this even though they claimed at the beginning there was a five picture deal that if you ended it here and they were quote unquote immortal you could make future indie movies where he's the same age. Yeah. And you could, but I don't know if I'd like that. Only if Alden was playing him. But it was like, I don't know. I, I still like, I'm not, I'm disagreeing with you, with you Joe, on why, on, on your reasoning, but I understand yeah, your I understand logic. yours. Um, but I just, it's like, okay, if you can be immortal, sure. You just have to stay here. As soon as you leave, that's your choice. That's like, then you lose it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it it could be interpreted either way. Yeah. Yeah. I just prefer my way. You do you. You do you. That's my line. Okay. Uh, All is settled until Elsa decides to leave with the grail. Ah, Jesus Christ. This girl. I swear to God, even Willie would be this stupid. Setting off a mammoth quack, quick, quack, quack. I heard, as soon as I said it, I was like, you're gonna pay for that one. Okay, <laughs> setting off a mammoth quake inside the vast temple. Elsa hits the ground and the grail rolls into a large fissure in the temple. I El- die not. Elsa almost falls in herself, but is saved by Indy at the last moment. Let it go, let it go. Elsa, instead of letting Indy lift her up, pulls one of her hands free to try and reach the grail resting below her. Because she doesn't let it go. She can almost touch it. it <laughs> and so she keeps on reaching. <laughs> Despite Indy's pleads to give him both her hands. Let it go. He cannot maintain his grip on Elsa's slippery leather gloved hand. And before Let it El- go. Let it go. <laughs> You don't want the grail anymore. <laughs> you two want to read this shit? <laughs> and before Elsa can grasp the cup, her hand slips out of its leather glove. Elsa falls to her death and Indy near does too, but his father catches him. Indy tries to reach the grail himself, but Henry gets through to him and the two ultimately escape the temple. He lets it go. <laughs> Just how to beat a joke to death. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> when the fissure starts. The quake, the quack, sorry. <laughs> That's a lot of butt quack. Elsa jumps to the grail and immediately I think of Willie reaching for the diamond and the antidote in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're just pushing it along instead of grabbing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same exact scene. Yeah. Uh, and I sit there, I go, okay, I, I get what they're trying to do here. This this is all well and good. She's going to remain evil and go for greed as opposed to anything else. And Henry, this is why I kind of wonder about the ending we talked about at the very beginning, which is that Indy saves Henry. And Henry lets go, well, the reason why Henry would be letting go of his obsession then to go with his son. Yeah. Whereas Indy becomes obsessed because we make our parents mistakes because that was our idols that's who we looked up to so we make their same mistakes and until they correct their own mistakes we're just going to continue to make them which is why henry saving indy is how it should have been that's the moment that sticks out for me bigger than the hug bigger for anything else that's a caring dad when he gives up what he's obsessed with to prove what he actually obsessed with is his son that's the best moment in the whole movie okay and well, I, that's what I was going to ask you was which moment 
is stronger for you is is it the hug or is it when he calls his son Indiana? This hands down best moment in the movie. That's when I tear up. I tear up every fucking time when he says Indiana, let it go. Shit, there it is again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I. Are you frozen? <laughs> Ooh. Thank you. I'm here all week. Very well played. Um, it's almost like he's lost before time. <laughs> Is that from Frozen Two? No, it's Land Before Time. Uh, <laughs> you're jumping genres, man. Totally <laughs> did, but it's the way my brain works. No, it's there's a two very there, there's two very heart wrenching ones for me. It's it, it's the hug. Um, this is a very close close second because they literally switch mentalities as soon as um, Henry Senior gra uh, finally grabs a cup and holds onto it. Now he's fulfilled his lifelong infatuation and he has the Grail, and then all of a sudden. Um, Indiana falls down the fissure and he tries to grab. I can get it. I can get it. It's like now, now he's got his father's infatuation because, just like JC said, he's making the same mistakes his dad does. And not, not once until he says Indiana. It's like you are. You will listen to when you are told. When he says the full name, it's like saying, "Oh yeah, Stephen Michael." Know what that sounds like, <laughs> Stephen Michael. Yes. <laughs> like Indiana, I'm gonna call you by your full name. But then it got me thinking. It says, "What if he actually called him Henry?" <sighs> I mean, he, we already knew he was junior. But I, I don't think Henry would have worked because of the way Indy reacts earlier to don't call me junior. Yeah. I think yeah. the dad acknowledging what his son wants, because that's the other big part about parental relationships is at some point as a parent, it doesn't matter what the fuck I want. It only matters what my kid wants. And am I going to accept my kid as my kid or am I going to resent my kid for not being what I want him to be. And so when Henry looks at Indy and says, Indiana with those eyes, that's when he finally gets through to his, his kid, his kid looks up to him and is like, Holy shit. My dad accepts me as me. That fucking hits every time. Yeah. That's the moment. No, I think they're both great moments. No, there's one really great it, moment. They're, they're both. <laughs> Great one. moments. One, one MacGuffin. Here's the thing, and this is why I can say they're both equal moments. The first one, he has no choice to save his son. His son is gone. The second one, he's making the choice. Which is why the save. second one is better. He's only reacting the first time. He's reacting the second time. No, the second time he could have said choice. any name. He chose Indiana. No, exactly. He it was a choice. It's not a reaction. Exactly. Like, the second first one was not a choice. Exactly, you're just reacting. A reaction. That's why not I said that they're equal in, no, in measure. That, but that's my point. A reaction is never going to be as powerful as a choice. Okay, when Jones Sr. calls Indy Jr., Sala asks what it means. Jones Sr. tells him Indy's full name is Henry Jones Jr., a moniker that Indy himself detests. Jones Sr. also reveals that Indiana was the name of their dog when Indy was a child. And Sala says, Indy? The dog? <laughs> It's so funny. I have very fond memories about that dog. <laughs> it's such a great reaction. It also, it's also something that I think 
kids do to rebel when when they feel slighted or when they feel disrespected they're going to rebel and so indy clearly made the choice you know what my dad i'm not going to do the name of my dad because of how he's treated me so i'm going to go by indiana now that their relationship is fixed i wondered if he would be happier with people calling him henry or junior or whatever but before when he had a bad relationship he didn't want to be called that name because it reminded him of the person he had a bad relationship with so he chose Indiana. Man, those choices are powerful. Led by a victory cry from the choice of making Brody inept, the four then ride off on horseback into the sunset. Great ending to the trilogy, riding off into the sunset. Yes. Such a good movie. You know, it from start to end, just solid all the way through. Couple hiccups here and there. To be honest, Steve made some points I didn't think about, but they're valid points. I know. Steve does that sometimes. I know. And yeah, you did Joe too. tried to Joe tried to get me on something, but didn't really work. So. <laughs> Definitely the best of the three. He, he eventually. I appreciate your integrity. I mean, he eventually let it go. <sighs> Even though he's frozen. According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a tomato meter reading of 77%. 30 fresh, 9 rotten. The critics on this uh, average gave this film a 7.2 out of 10. Uh, says, lighter and more comedic than its predecessor, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade returns the series to the brisk serial adventures of Raiders while adding a dynamite double act between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's, that's, perfect. that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Here are some of the idiots that said things negative. Jonathan Rosenbaum of Chicago Reader said, the fast pace and force-fed wisecracks are as seamless as ever, but rarely has audience laughter sounded as hollow. Nothing was force-fed. Yeah, he's wrong. The only thing forced that was a sex scene. Yeah, I, one, yeah. The only thing forced in the entire movie was the sex scene. That's 100% true. Uh, Sheila Benson of the Los Angeles Times says, if he's if even if he's considerably more battered than his nearest competitor, Indiana quits at the top of the heap. It's just that the heap isn't what it was eight years ago. It's been on, almost flattened to death. I, I don't even understand what she's saying. She sounds just pissed at the world. Yeah, that I don't understand. And Eleanor, an LA, LA critic. Yeah, Eleanor Ringel Cater of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Last Crusade is long on special effects, amazing stunts, and cute father-son quips. It's short on romance, mystery, and cliffhanger chills. Yeah, because it wasn't a movie about romance or mystery or cliffhanger. Well, I'd say it had mystery and cliffhanger. There, he's literally falling off a cliff. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the stuff that she wow. complimented is what's good about the movie. The stuff that she complained wasn't in it didn't need to be in it because of all of the other stuff that was in the movie. Yeah, I don't know what movie Eleanor watched. Yeah, I mean, mystery, okay, the the lore is mystical right right there. Cliffhanger, I mean, you're literally hanging off a cliff again. Yes, let it go. And I don't need to see the romance in an action adventure you know well if you do movie. it has to be it has to be real yeah it's got to feel real willie felt real this did not nope uh the audience score was a 4.4 out of 5 with 94 percent agreeing it's a three or higher audience gets it right yeah smart smart critics yeah uh so the movie's over were you entertained jc were you entertained yes so much i love this movie and have watched it more than any other indie film between the dad storyline from my personal history and the just the history story it's just a great movie i love this movie steve <clears throat> i absolutely loved it i was thoroughly entertained and if it wasn't so late um i would have watched it again right then and there and there's <laughs> very few movies 
that I will say that too. It is an easily rewatchable movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great ending to the trilogy. I give you the this is the indie equivalent of the Toy Story trilogy for me, where it's a the solid third one's the best one. Solid start, controversial middle, sticks the landing. Yeah, I like Toy Story too. Anyway, controversial. <laughs> Okay, did the awards get it right? At the Academy Awards, it got three nominations and only one win. It won for Best Effects and Sound Editing. Yeah, I think that's fair. It lost Best Music Original Score that's to nothing. The Little Mermaid. Yeah, no, that's that's showing how corrupt and influenced Disney had back then. No, John Williams, even over, I'm looking, Field of Dreams, Little Mermaid, and Indiana. It should have gone Indiana, Field of Dreams, then Little Mermaid. Yeah. That should have been the order, so they got it wrong. It's Steve. Go ahead, say it. You're a music. You I, love the music stuff. I do, but I. The Little Mermaid. I guess. The Little Mermaid has. I can understand it because they got those. They got a, like three iconic songs in there. One. They got one good song. Under the sea. That's it. Part of your world. Part no. of your world. Yes. No. And we gotta remember this also. The Little Mermaid brought was it was one of the four movies that brought Disney back because it was Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Tarzan, and Little Mermaid. I, I, yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not better than Indiana Jones. Well, don't get me wrong. I yeah. thought I thought John Williams was hosed the entire time. No. This, uh, but no. It, every time these movies come out, it goes up against another movie that has an iconic soundtrack. Like the first one it lost to was Chariots of Fire. Oh, but Char <laughs> no, yeah, but it's the same thing. Chariots of Fire has one good song. Yeah, that's right. it. Just one. Not the whole soundtrack. And it also lost best sound. It lost to glory. Yeah, that's yeah. a war movie. Yeah. War, war movies win. I was going to say, yeah, with, with sound editing, that yep. one doesn't surprise me at all. It should have lost to glory. Uh, Global, uh, Golden Globes had one nomination for best performance by an actor in a supporting role for Sean Connery. And it loses to Denzel Washington in glory. Look at that lineup. Bruce Willis in Country, Danny Aiello, Do the Right Thing, Ed Harris, Jackknife, Marlon Brando. This is a this is a stack pack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could go either way with Denzel and Sean. Uh, yeah, I still think it should have been Denzel. Yeah, I agree with Denzel. Uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Saturn Awards, four nominations, no wins. Best Actor. Wow. Harrison Ford is up for it, but he loses to Jeff Daniels in Arachnophobia. And I agree, he makes Arachnophobia look real. Good job, Jeff. Actually, we need to review that movie. I actually, looking at this list, the person that should have won from just what I'm seeing should have been Ed Harris. Um, Ed Harris carries the abyss. I would say Ed or Jack Nicholson in Batman. Jack Nicholson, I would choose. I mean, again, this is a stellar lineup. What I love, though, is Jack Nicholson was nominated for Best Actor, not Supporting Actor, in a Batman movie. Yeah. And that, and that, <laughs> no, that, yeah. I'm finally reading the list. Yeah, go Dick Tracy. Granted, yeah, Dick Tracy's in there. <laughs> I've never seen... And Patrick uh, Swayze's good in Ghost. I've never seen Arachnophobia, and I know Patrick Swayze is good. I'm just saying, from what I've seen looking here, yeah. I if it was me, I'd give it to Ed Harris. Okay. I really would give it to Ed Harris. I've never seen Arachnophobia. Uh, best Costumes. It was never Best Costumes. They lost a total recall. To me, again, looking at this list, how did Dick Tracy not win best costumes? That's true. I don't know. Yeah, looking at this list, it should have been either um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Been, yeah, it, 
in terms of costumes, it should have been Dick Tracy or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Batman, either of those three, not Total Recall. Yeah. Total Recall was just 90s paraphernalia. Looking futuristic. Yeah, that's, it was terrible. Yeah. Or even, you know, para, Back to the Future 3, that's all Western. Yeah, that's so true. Those are costumes too, yeah. you know. Uh, best fantasy film, Ghost yeah. 1 over Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade. Yeah, I mean, no. if it's not first, it's not third. Yeah. And then Indiana Jones had to have been two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantasy film. And I've seen Ghost. Ghost is really good, but not as a fantasy film. It's a romantic film. I think so, it's because the supernatural involved. Who cares? Yeah, it's, the Saturn Awards. I get that. <laughs> but Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I mean, if they really want to go that way, then it should have been TMNT. I don't want to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. Just as, I, yeah, I haven't seen that in forever. Let's yeah. do that trilogy. I'm in. Oh, yeah, it was a trilogy. <laughs> I forgot about the samurai. <laughs> That's back oh, in Turtles in Time, right? If there is a global killer, it would that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> I, have wow. never, I have never made it through Turtles in Time. I know that. Secrets of the Ooze? I saw Secrets of the Ooze. Oh, it's Turtles that's, in Time. That's, one. One. that's where they go back to... To the samurai. Yeah. And then Best Writing. It was never Best Writing, and it lost to The Exorcist 3. No, should have been The Abyss. Yeah, The Exorcist 3 sucked. Yeah, Best Ever seen well, Writing. I, I, writing should have been either Indiana or The Abyss. Steve? Uh, I'm, I think I started watching Exorcist 2 and just quit. Um, I've never seen The Abyss. But I don't know, Total Recall? I mean, that's some pretty crazy... That, that's futuristic stuff there, too. So, I mean, yeah, maybe that as well, but I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, that's it for that. Uh, okay, top three, bottom three. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. We'll start with the top three, and I'll go first. My number three, the hug from Indy to, Indy, uh, Indy to Henry uh, after the tank chase. It gets me every single time. Uh, number two, the return to lighter in color motifs. Temple was very darkly lit. It was nice to be back in the open again. And my number one, the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery is second to none. S Steve, I'll let you go next. Great. Yeah? Great. Okay. Oh, number four, because there's just way too many. Um, the music Three. is absolutely. <laughs> number four, the music is awesome. Uh, number three. The history and the Christian lore, I was completely engulfed in it. I love the writing and the storytelling in that one. Number two, the action scenes, they're quick and they move, and it's 100% nonstop. But I'll agree with you on your number one, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford are absolutely have amazing chemistry. JC, you're up. Number three, the Grail book and all of the nods to real-world counterparts, counterparts or storytelling. Number two, when Sean Connery says, Indiana. <laughs> It's a great number two. I agree. It is. And number one, the chemistry between Harrison and Sean. Wow, all three of our number ones are yeah. the same. Yeah. Nailed ha it. Harrison and Sean carry this movie. Okay, bottom three, time to vent. My number three, Marcus is there strictly for comic relief, and as the movie goes on, I feel less respect for his character. Number two, Elsa's acting is really poor, and I'm glad that she dies. <laughs> <laughs> and my number one, it felt too safe going back to Judeo-Christian artifacts and Nazis rather than something different 
supernaturally or religiously. They had already done Judeo-Christian in the first movie. The second one, they, they went over uh, cults in Hinduism. And then this one, I really wish they would have gone into something else completely. Yeah. Uh, but that's Maybe it, crystal skulls. That, that wishing for a different script is not going to kill this movie for me. Uh, Steve, go for it. So I don't know if it was CGI or green scheme, but it just didn't look good. Like, and the one thing that sticks out with me is when the German general's shaking his fist at the blimp as it takes off. You can just totally tell that that's just projection. <laughs> yeah, it's projection. Um, I feel like actually, I feel like the effects got worse every movie. I think the best effects because they're like all the practical effects are from Raiders. That's um, that's my, yeah. My number two. The night's tomb scene in Venice. I just have issues with that, and I think they're common sense. I feel it's so bad. I, I feel like it was done on purpose, and I just I now can not get over that part. Again, I think all of the lore distracts you from all that, which gives it maybe a pass, but I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me to see past that. And Donovan drinking the wrong grail. That's just PTSD nightmares. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> okay, JC, you're three. All right, so number three, I used to uh, sort of love how this was uh, a great sum up, and then when I first watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I'm like, wow, they went into left field. But then I had to realize when I first watched this as a kid, I personally was deep re deeply religious and saw like, oh, well, of course, all of this religious iconography and all of this story, of course, this is true. Of course, this is real. It's what I believe in. But I have since had significant fallings out. Now we're watching it. I'm like, this is no more fantastical mm. than aliens or anything else. This is just as fantasy driven or like science fiction-y. Um, so that's my first number three is like, I have to acknowledge that this is just as fantastical as some of the other movies that we, when we sort of make jokes about indie being be, not being realistic anymore, I'm like, well, it never really was. It had the Ark of the Government. Like none of this stuff government? is based. What's that? You said the Ark of the Government? Covenant. You said I, government. Oh, did I? Well, <laughs> I, was I didn't hear it. Let yeah. it go. <laughs> um, oh, come on. Stop beating a dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> number two changed for me. Number two, I was also going to 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 jump on Elsa. <laughs> um, that was inappropriate. Um, but Steve Steve is is pointing out some things, and and it's not just the oil thing, just the whole like crushing the yeah. the 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 library scene is rough. So that number library scene is number two, and my number one is kind of two scenes together both of which do involve elsa the love scene is just dumb and not needed and the reveal of them as bad guys yeah like yes. they're just bad that's just bad okay well here we go a to f scale i've heard a lot of rants today i've heard some differences in opinions today looking forward to hearing what you all have to say today JC, I'll let you start. 95. Why? Because it's awesome. And even all of the negative things that I've said, even my bottom three, my bottom three would only take it down to a 97. And a 97 isn't what I'm allowed to give. So it's a 95. So you're giving it an A? Yeah. It's an A. 95. Steve? Okay. I, I'll go for it. You do you. I'll go. All right. 
I'm just going to get this out of the way first and say, yes, this movie has nostalgia in it for me. This is the first Indiana movie that I have ever seen. What's great about this franchise so far is that you can easily watch these movies out of order and still have a great time watching them. Yes, a couple minor things here and there you'll miss, like the Ark of the Covenant hieroglyphic or in Temple of Doom when he tries to pull the gun out, but it doesn't work. Um, they brought back, you know, I even think that when they show that arc on the wall, they brought back the arc theme song a little bit. Yeah, I did. thought that was I thought that was brilliant. Which leads me to my first point. The music. John Williams redeems himself for the forgettable Temple of Doom soundtrack. Sorry, Joe. Uh, you have your reasons because you had a little audio tape. Makes sense. I have my reasons on this because this is the best. Obviously, the Indiana Jones theme song is iconic, but whenever they men mention any grail lore, Williams hits you with that tone. It even sounds like there's some Catholic tones in it for some reason. For someone who's experienced the ritualistic and sometimes eerie environment of a Catholic church, I feel like it's right on. The main villain, and this is not really a villain analysis, but the main villain, Donovan, slash Nazis, had a tough acting jog to follow in Molaram. Not only did Molaram just give that pure evil part, you kind of understood his motives. Donovan was just a greedy, rich dick. Kind of like a Belloc, but I have less respect for Donovan. At least Molaram and Belloc were willing to get their hands dirty. No pun intended. Grabbing your heart. Uh, going back to the Nazis as a villain, well, they've already done that. And it seemed like it was a last resort because they couldn't think of anybody else. Maybe the Grail Protectors were added as part of it or as part of the original idea to help out with this. The Nazis seem like the ultimate evil, though. That's, that's just easy to go with. The addition of Sean Connery puts this movie on a whole new level. The amount of great acting that is on screen with these two share is just absolutely insane. One never takes over the other. It's perfect chemistry, and I believe they are father and son. The action throughout the movie is quick, and it flows so well. The only one I didn't like was the tomb of Sir Richard. Too many problems that leaves that scene in ruins for me. No pun intended. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's creepy as all hell. And I thank John Williams for bringing me back into that one. The set designs are great. Not as magnificent as Temple, but I think it's very close. Uh, you, JC, and if you put JC and me in the same room watching when he's going up the steps to go through those three tasks, that whole scene and that whole set design is absolutely insane. Uh, Joe, I'd love to see you go through that with all those spider webs in there. <laughs> As Indiana is walking up those steps, the three tests, the breath of God, I noticed that I was completely immersed in that film. The Last Crusade is one of my favorite movies of all time. It goes right up there with Endgame, Infinity War. This is in my Mount Rushmore of favorite movies. A plus. 100%. 100%. I love it. I love every part of it. It deserves to be up there. I'm oh. changing mine to 100%. I thought he was going to be a little bit harder, but after hearing him, I agree 100%. No. It's, it's my 100. Mount Rushmore. It's yeah, my 100%. Mount, it's, 
Mine's one zero zero two. And this is after watching it as I'm older. I loved it as a kid. Watching it older now, I there's there's things I never knew then that I appreciate more right now. And that's the fact. And it's as silly as it is, it's what I, I realized that Sean Connery got to Elsa before Indy did. I think that's <laughs> I think it's just smooth. It's just it's things I never grasped as a kid. And I, I love it. Steve changed my mind. Smart man, Steve. Smart man. Well, you changed my mind also. <laughs> Two. Joe? I, you know, you said I had some rants in there. I think I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I did. There were some things it I didn't know about. I think on your score. <laughs> it did it. It did it. That's how great That's this how you is. You just counted an entire set piece and just said but i still like it because it's nostalgic so it's 100 <laughs> no it's not it's, i just it was just, hey josh tell me how alien 3 is 100 again go ahead tell me <laughs> i i just i i love this movie and everything and again i i tried to like in the beginning it felt nostalgic but as it went on i there, there's things that yes i didn't like but there was other things that i absolutely loved that I still get engrossed with that movie. And I think it's the lore. And I felt like even, yes, I had a huge ramp, but I felt like it, it I felt like I was nitpicking. I'm talking about the petroleum in there and the flames. I, I mean, I get all that, but it's just. You stand by the your good score, things. The good I things outweigh that. It. Yes. Okay. And he changed my mind. Well, right, you turn. had nothing written down. It probably wasn't too hard to do. <laughs> I thought we were just supposed to give grades. I didn't. I forgot. I it's forgot, been a few years. I forgot about the whole like paragraph at the end. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 95. All right, my turn. Sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is one of those movies that's impossible to look at critically if you saw it as a child. But here I go using my mystical powers to do this. Uh, let's get some things out of the way first. The dream team is back in Spielberg, Lucas, and Williams. Lucas provides the story. Spielberg provides the direction. Williams layers on his genius and do a pretty close to perfect film. But there's only so much juice to squeeze from this orange. Let's not think if we put these three together, they'd be making great movies. Just look at Crystal Skull. When it comes to the actors and what they're tasked to do, I feel they got more than they anticipated. Harrison Ford with Reese Davies, Elliot, Connery, Glover, and even at times duty proves he is one of those actors who in the prime of his career was a movie star. That being said, let's talk duty. The plot of this movie is very well balanced, but as soon as we meet Elsa, something doesn't smell right. It's around the time we meet Connery when I start to put things together. Is this a cut and paste job of Raiders? Number one, start with Indy getting some relic you've never heard of, unless you've done the research on Coronado. Number two, Indy teaches a class and then confers with Marcus. Yeah, that happened in Raiders also. Indy is approached by men who want him to retrieve a priceless religious Judeo-Christian artifact that he doesn't believe in. Yep, we're still Raiders. Number four, Indy realizes he's going to have to encounter someone from his past who he hasn't talked to in decades. Still Raiders. Okay. Number five, insert adventure where he races against Nazis to get to the artifact. During this time, the good guys get kidnapped and escape, shot at, but everything misses, and Indy slowly but surely learns that a simple conversation or two would have repaired this relationship a long time ago. The bad number six, the, the bad guy gets the artifact and it ultimately destroys him, and Indy still doesn't get the artifact in a museum. And number seven, Indy has his last scene with his past relationship stronger, walking or riding off into the sunset. This is Raiders. Now, that being said, the changes in step one and step five are where I have to give it credit. 
In step one, we see an origin story to many of the elements, the man in the hat. This movie is acknowledging from that get-go that everything you love about this character is very two-dimensional. The hat, the whip, the scar, the focus on putting things in museums, and he's smart. However, this movie attempts to take this 2D character and give him depth. It grows the audience up, but starts with putting us all on the same page at the beginning. And in step five, although the elements of the adventure are all the same, the execution and story is wildly different. Indy's priority is rescuing his father, not finding the grail. It's Henry's priority to find the grail. And let's not forget, in Temple of Doom, his priority was never just the Shankara stones. Although the stones were important, the rescuing of child slaves from a nearby village took equal priority. And it's the only movie where Indy completed his own personal quest. Num okay, seeing the end of this trilogy, it really makes me think of what it's compared to. And I had made an illusion early on that this franchise, the franchise is very much like Die Hard. And after seeing Dial of Destiny, yeah, that is definitely a good day to Die Hard of this franchise. But as a trilogy, I think it's more like Toy Story. Toy Story 1 and Raiders were landmark movies that changed how we look at animated and adventure movies respectively. Toy Story 2 and Temple of Doom were, well, they were successful follow-ups, but we're always going to play second banana to the original because of how powerful the original was. Toy Story 3 and Last Crusade were not only solid endings to the franchise, but they also stuck the landing in a way that many consider them better than the originals. That's right. I said better than the originals. And that's how I know I'm being nostalgic because when I look at Raiders versus Crusade, I realize the enjoyment factor is higher in Crusade, but the adventure factor is stronger in Raiders. In Raiders, the story is a vehicle for the quest of the Ark first and the relationship between Indy and Marion second. In Crusade, the story is a vehicle for the relationship between Indy and Henry first and the Holy Grail second. And although Crusade is a great movie, it shouldn't be a movie whose priority could have been solved with a sit down in a local coffee shop for a couple of hours. So I'm giving this movie an A, a 95. It is near perfect, but there are too many times that I'm watching this and I'm less watching an adventure movie and more a family drama. It's really damned well balanced though, but that little hiccup, that little itty bitty one keeps showing up in this and it keeps it from being a perfect adventure movie. 95. Tired that I thought he was gonna give it. I gotta give it its due. Now, if we would go back to the Pantheons, guys, we have a new number one. Last Crusade? Last Crusade has an average score of a 98.3%. It is number one. Number two is Die Hard with a 97.4. Number three is Raiders of the Lost Ark with 96.75. Mad Max Fury Road is number four. John Wick is number five. John Wick Chapter 2 is number six. And John Wick Chapter 3 is number seven. I like it. That's good. I'm good with this. Yeah. We've got we have got five A's, an A minus, and a B plus in there. What can I say? Action Adventure's got some good movies. It, there's a few in there, aren't there? Just a couple. Couple. Okay, well, if it goes as no surprise, let's get our critics hats off. Hey, did you, did you like or love or did you hate this movie? What'd you think? I mean, I loved it. <laughs> so I just loved it. Steve, what about you? What were your thoughts on this? Uh, I can't love it enough. I'm, I think love isn't enough. Yeah, Harrison, he doesn't have enough white sheets to give. Harrison makes another trilogy of movies that ends proper. Lee. So now can we put this in the trilogy pantheon? Uh, it can go in the trilogy pantheon. Uh, well, are we gonna do Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? The completionist in me says yes. 
then it can't go in the trilogy. Then it's a uh, franchise. But I, franchise. I'll say this. I will say this. I think when you watch Kingdom, you will grade it on par with Temple. So shit. I'm looking forward to watching. I'm looking forward to watching uh, Kingdom. Temple. I gave Temple a B minus. Steve gave it a C plus, and Josh gave it a B. I know you don't like movies that make you feel bad. Yeah, he's right. One hundred percent. I know. That's why yeah. I said it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we can do Kingdom, and if it goes, it. Here's the thing. It'll sit in the trilogy pantheon for a week or so. But here's the thing. Based on these scores, a 98, a 96, and an 81. Okay? Those are our average scores of the three movies. The question then is, in the trilogy pantheon, it's not going to pass Lord of the Rings. It's not going to pass John Wick. It might be on par with Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy and the Back to the Future trilogy and Star Wars original trilogy. Is uh, John Wick considered a trilogy anymore now that Force come out? We haven't reviewed it yet. Okay. Once we review it, then it's a franchise. Then we got ourselves a franchise. <laughs> you know, and awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love one and two of John Wick, so I would put Indiana above John Wick's trilogy right now that might be a little biased but well it's funny you say that because if you look at your scores here uh your lowest score was temple of doom i know uh you would have skewed even if it was just your grade you would have skewed john wick to be higher than indy oh i'm trying to go over to it i had to bring it up i didn't know we were gonna bust out the books a minus a minus b minus were your scores for the john wicks yeah. Yeah. 100, 178. And I stand by what I say. So, yeah. So you're on par, is what it is. But if you want to do, if we want to do Kingdom, we'll do Kingdom. But I can tell you right now, it's still, it's going to end up in the trilogy or the franchise pantheon. Yeah. As it should. It's Indiana yeah. Jones. It's, it, okay. Then the question is, is it better than Toy Story franchise one through four? Ooh. See, I, I would say it is. Probably on par. I would say yes. Yeah. I would say yes. On par or better. I would say it's better because I hate four. Um, I would say it's better because I don't like three. It, you don't like three? I don't like three. Get him. Get him. <laughs> Get him, JC. <laughs> it's for another day, but what? What hit you as a child? Do we need to talk, Steve? Are you safe? Are you in a safe place, Steve? <laughs> the monkey. The monkey scares the shit out of me. It's a scary monkey. That's true. Don't look at the one-eyed snake. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> it's got weird fast. <laughs> So we got time for the big plant tears. Uh, next time we'll do Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm I've already got it on my calendar on my phone. JC, you want to join us for Kingdom? We'll talk after. Same bat time, same bat channel. Okay. Well, you'll at least get Steve and I, and if you can join us, if I can join, I'll be here. Yeah. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean, and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. 
All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. But yeah, so any last words, JC? I love Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> Just you, not on your hand. Do you have to wear it? <laughs> no. And I like you got some for the ride home, still in your pocket. <laughs> Hope I didn't get it on Joe's floor. <laughs> Steve, any last words? Dude, dude, my car seats are covered. My car seats are well, covered they are. in coffee. Steve, any last words? We have all spoken wisely. Okay, thanks for listening. Happy movie watching. We're out. That was my line. <laughs> That's going. You have in. spoken poorly. <laughs> to be fair, I've had to do this for three years on my own. Okay, so I had to fill in the wear out after a while. <laughs> <We're> out. <laughs>